Welcome, everyone, to this extra special, extra clever mongoose of an edition of the Our Strange Guys podcast. I'm your host, Rob Christofferson, and returning to the podcast, we have Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess from Astonishing Legends. Welcome back, guys. Thank you Hello, so everybody. much, Rob. It's been yeah. much too long since we've all <laughs> yes, round-tabled. Yeah. <laughs> I, months, know, least, I know, I know. This uh, table's a triangle, I think. it's. Uh, I don't know if we have enough to call it round. <laughs> And Scott got it to <laughs> levitate. He's t- he's turning his tables, which is yes, table tilting. Which is, and turning. Uh, it's not uh, it, it's not all that far afield from uh, some PK action we're going to be talking about uh, yeah. with Jeff. Things move, invisible forces, uh, smart Alex knocking, scratching. <laughs> it's it's always knocking and scratching. There's, there's scratching and knocking. Oh, there's and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, before I forget, I wanted to say, I think the materials have something to do with it. I just saw that note again from the book uh, by Iris M. Owen about Conjuring Philip and that uh, it can work in any, the, the knocking happens in any kind of materials. They even use a, a mod 70s acrylic table and got some uh, got some knocking out of it. But what they noticed is that the, the thicker, heavy table had better knocking. Mm. So if you want your knocking to be top notch, get, uh, get, good quality dense woods maybe an oak uh you know something something solid but it does seem to have a difference uh, you know with the with the quality of the sound or whatever's happening that makes that noise and that sound you know that's it's important and you're getting important lessons here today folks if you want to contact <laughs> something that may or may not exist on the other side uh you need those dense woods that's the only way that you're going to be able to make contact if you're into the whole table tipping and 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 you're into knocks and stuff like that uh and if you and if you've listened to the conjuring philip series uh which you absolutely should do uh that you guys uh have j- just been recently uh putting out um yeah uh, which which they're great because it's a it's a very strange story of you know conjuring in a ghost that isn't real so like you know it's the good well, stuff is, it's, it's is stuff. Jeff real and what what right. is Jeff because what we're talking about is like it, there's uh, intelligences here of some kind yes. is it the people in the house or in the place that that's fueling this or is it uh, something outside of it yes and uh, I, I think with Jeff it's a very humorous something. I love it where there's a good sense of humor, you know, tied to your entity. You got to have a good sense of humor. If you're going to haunt somebody, you better uh, bring something to the table, whether that's, you know, good comedic skills, maybe uh, (laughs) some cooking skills, you know, whatever skills you can bring to the table. And Jeff kind of has it all. So, you know, uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out, it is April Fool's, folks. And, uh, you know, not only that, it's night one of WrestleMania. So what better way to, to kick this thing off <laughs> than talking about Jeff the Talking Mongoose. It, it is the quintessential strange story that veers into poltergeisty-like territory while the people that experienced this activity firmly believed that it was not a poltergeist and that it was 
an animal of some kind, uh, like a flesh and blood animal. And so Jeff, the talking mongoose, self-described as the eighth wonder of the world and an extra clever mongoose at that. He first started uh, talking through the walls of the Irving family's isolated home, Dorlish Cashin, on the Isle of Man in the fall of 1931. And it just started with these knockings and rappings on the walls, but it soon evolved into full sentences being uttered by a very high-pitched voice coming from the other side of this wall. So... You know, Jeff was a very interesting character, and 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 it behooves us to kind of describe Jeff and and kind of what he would do and what he looked like. So he was described as weasel-like, though he had very dexterous hands, almost like um, uh, a, a little more articulate than, say, like a raccoon's hands, because mm-hmm. uh, you know a raccoon has they have very articulate hands they can do you know some delicate things with it but uh you know according to the irvings uh they have they have have thumbs right so they they can hitchhike like a raccoon could hitchhike if it wanted to (laughs) well exactly i'm gonna i'm gonna liken it to rocket from guardians of the galaxy is that is this is this an an otherworldly experiment this jeff where he he's sassy he's got uh Mm -hmm. high intelligence a bit of an attitude and uh, occasionally a propensity for violence uh, yes. But all in good fun. But but really just a rascal. Because I, anyway, I kept coming back to, you know, after you hear about, uh, as we will, some of the exploits of Jeff and just the things he said, it's, uh, yeah, there's a smart aleck uh, component to mm-hmm. it, uh, oh, yeah. much, oh, like, yeah. much like Rocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeff is uh, he's the definition of a trickster. He uh, he plays that role well. He also he could hold things and he could eat with a spoon. Um, so he was also <laughs> incredibly strong for an animal his size. Uh, he had quick, incredible quick, quick, as, quick aside, yeah. uh, was he ever seen uh, eating with a spoon? I can't remember if, if people saw him. No, he was not. But, um, <laughs> you know, the Irvings claimed a lot of things. So, uh, right, you know, right. We, okay. That's just, something to keep in mind. <laughs> okay. Just, just, I just wanted an update on that because I had not, uh, you, you'll hear that in that, uh, in, it counts towards the dexterousness uh, of the creature and the physical nature of it. But yes. not everybody saw him that way. No, no, not not everybody did. Um, but uh, again, again the, the, just some of the stuff that Jeff does kind of goes against what a poltergeist would do um, mm-hmm. in the sense that a poltergeist doesn't need to eat. Like if it if it eats, it um it, it does so in like the sense that it draws energy from something, you know. Um, but uh, you know, in this case, Jeff, he had incredible hearing. He could he could hear people whispering around the house and like would call them out on it. Um he had uh, eyesight. He was able to read the newspaper. <laughs> um, he was, uh, you know, capable of making really loud knocks on the walls. And he was able to just run around the house at really fast speed. So um, uh, he he liked to tell jokes. He sang. He liked to sing hymns. Uh, popular songs of the time. The Manx National Anthem, which is uh, uh, the part of the island that um, the uh, Irving family lived in uh, was kind of known as the last 
um, the last stand of the Manx peoples, uh, because there weren't a lot that that lived there. And even now, you know, mm-hmm. there aren't as many, but uh, there are pockets of Manx uh, around uh, kind of some areas of Europe, but uh, also in Australia and, and other places. Right. But um, but Jeff, he liked to argue. He debated. Uh, he. um he identified himself as a ghost in the form of a weasel, um, uh, but also <laughs> would uh, go against that and say that he was, uh, you know, an extra clever mongoose. Like he was very yeah. deceptive in the in the way that he did things. Uh, the family initially called him Jack until one day that uh, he uh, said that his name was Jeff and that's what he wanted to be called. And he spelled it G-E-F, um, like mm. a true hipster, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no F. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, I'm sorry, no, no, uh, O and uh, E, just, yeah, so just, yeah. just G, J, sorry, just G-E-F. But, yeah. uh, and he did write out, apparently, or it was claimed that he did write out his own name on, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a piece of paper where it's uh, purported that he did some writing. Yes. Uh, yeah. There is a, a piece of paper in which he allegedly drew a self-portrait. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And uh, it, it's it's truly spectacular. It's 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 not half bad artistically. No, it, <laughs> it's half decent. It's, it's, it's half it's decent. Like for, uh, painting. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. There's a, there's an ele- there's simple elegance to it. Yeah, it's very simplistic, simplistic and just like the the line work, you know, the single line work. Uh, But, uh, you know, um, again, Jeff just um, he started out as this kind of uh, benevolent presence uh, toward the family, but uh, well, a hostile presence. But he would eventually become Mm -hmm. this benevolent one where he would um, he would keep the the farm free of rodents. Uh, He would. Uh, kill rabbits for the family and he killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 244 rabbits wow. that um the family would sometimes eat and then they would sometimes sell um but mm-hmm. uh uh he would turn off lights or the oven if somebody forgot to do it um and and the one thing about the killing of these rabbits is that they claim that it was done by a pair of tiny hands that strangled it rabbit forensics i yeah how would you i note the tiny thumb mark on the (laughs) left carotid okay all i could think of is keith morrison just like you know like narrating the hell out of (laughs) that yes (laughs) tiny hands weren't so cute after all (laughs) (laughs) but it just doll hand and then what's the what's the character uh God. The character on <laughs> SNL, Scott. Uh, Which one? With the uh, the one the one of the singing trio. Oh, um, uh, oh God, I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the no, character. It's, it's not Gilly. Gilly's the no. sorry. Yeah, uh, it's, but she uh, has baby art. Yeah. <laughs> she has like yeah. plastic uh, baby doll hands, <laughs> and it's very unnerving. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to look yeah. it up. <laughs> but it, but in this case, uh, there's a lot of things attributed to Jeff and. Uh, and there's Dunice, a lot of documentation. Dunice. Sorry, that's that's it's right. Dunice, yeah, D O O, portrayed by Kristen so, Wiig. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a lot of things that uh, I mean. This is why it's such a, a fascinating tale. There's a lot that's written down. Uh, unlike uh, you know a lot of, uh, of course, obvious connections to uh, uh, the Bell Witch, uh, Kate Batts's witch, mm-hmm. uh, in the the style and presentation of this. Uh, 
and development of this unseen character. But that's a, a little further, uh, you know, you're talking about what, another hundred years uh, prior, uh, not quite. And, and so your account then is really just from the family and uh, mm. Irving, I think, is the uh, the newspaper gentleman's name who uh, did most of the accounting. So it's like, well, you, you're going to have to buy that. But here, this is kind of an ongoing thing. And yeah. uh, like I said, some things are documented, like uh, I guess the, the number of rabbits was noted <laughs> that he dispatched with uh, yes. the tiny, you know, the ligature marks with the tiny hands. There's just a lot of info here, but it's it's hard to know what to trust. On the other hand, it makes for a much better story, I think. Yes. No, it, it absolutely does. And like, um, like this is a, whatever this is, it has a personality, which is, yeah. um, which is unique, uh, in, in terms of, you know, again, if you want to consider Jeff a poltergeist, uh, it, it, it very, very unique in the, in, in terms of that, um, uh, Jeff was, uh, also had like, this thirst for knowledge. He liked to learn things and he also <laughs> yeah. spoke in a lot of different languages. Um, and um, uh, he declared that uh, he was born in India on June 7th, 1852, hailing from uh, Delhi. Uh, so, you know, he um, allegedly had been shot and chased away by all the, um, the local inhabitants and he eventually made his way to the Isle of Man. Uh, he allegedly went through Egypt at one point to get there. So, you know, uh, just uh, there's a there's a proximity problem with that. Yes, equation. There, OK, there I just wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Stop. Is. he's yeah, already yeah. pulling threads on that sweater. No, the, I just the, was just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know I'm an American, so I'm not supposed to know geography, but I'm pretty sure Egypt and the Isle of Man are are not adjacent. So yeah. Well, come on, you know. Hey, listen. The, uh, again, same thing with uh, <laughs> the Bell Witch. Witch uh, yeah. Zipped on over to England That's to true. hear the uh, the utterings of uh, the the British investigators' parents and reported it back to him in an instant when he was mm. uh, at the at the uh, Bell Farm. And so That's true. Uh, there, um, there's a sense of uh, omniscience, yep. not omnipotent because they, they're they're limited in what they can do, but they they certainly get up to a lot of uh, a lot of uh, shenanigans and monkey shines. Uh, in oh, this yeah. case, though, there are things that are known, and there are commonalities. Uh, singing, and we mm -hmm. like I said, we just came across with Philip uh, singing with the seances. It's all about singing and hymns and you know popular music of the day, but also memorizing uh, sermons. Uh, yep. Kate could do and, and relay them. And so there's an impressive amount of knowledge. But is it uh, like and I appreciate Jeff's uh, thirst for knowledge. I, re I really do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Even when you're on the, the other side and you can zip around however you like, there's a um, there's a, a, a yearning to know more. But you do yeah. wonder is that what what are the limits and what what doesn't it know? Certainly can learn languages. That's another feature you you hear of. Uh, you know, multilingual beings from the other side. Usually, it's a scary thing where they they scream. Uh, you know, a child screams Latin at you, and uh, you think they're possessed. You know that. Right. Usually, it's a movie thing, but here it's just uh, floating around. But also, Irving spoke several languages. He did right, uh, for Be mostly because of his, his job, job. I think. Yeah. Yes. And so then you wonder, like, uh, okay, is what's the connection here? Is someone in the family doing this? You know, exactly. is, is Mr. Uh, Mr. Irving doing this or is it picking up on stuff that uh, Irving knows? Right. 
exactly. Like uh, th- there is a, a, a central question to this is Jim Irving and the role that he plays in the story and um, kind of how his fingerprints are all over it. But at the same time, a lot of people come away convinced that something was going on, but it, that it, it it wasn't Jim himself, that uh, there, there was absolutely something going on. But uh, this part of the Isle of Man is... Um, it's very inhospitable. There aren't a lot of people that live around there. In fact, like the closest, uh, not even city, but town is is the town of Peel, which is, uh, I think, about five miles away from uh, Dorlish Cashin. But the thing about it is, like, it wasn't accessible by road. You had to take a very kind of inhospitable um, path in order to get up to it. So like, um, once you get, got towards winter, it was a very, it was a place that you didn't really want to go to. Um, so, um, but, uh, this part of the Island was inhabited by the Manx people, um, which, um, their culture, uh, was, uh, derived from like Norse, uh, Gaelish, Celtic, and, uh, there were some English influences and, their language in particular was uh, descended from uh, Middle Irish, but uh, they were very kind of superstitious people um, in many ways. Uh, but um, for them, they don't call this the talking mongoose case. They call this the case of the Dalby spook. Um, uh, and this is a quote from a, a great book. If you've if you've never like, like if you want to get down to the nitty gritty of this story, there's a book called Jeff, the strange tale of an extra special talking mongoose by Christopher Josephi. And it is uh, like fantastic. He goes into depth on a, on a lot of this stuff. Uh, and this is what he has to say about the term Dolby spook um, quote. Dolby spook is arguably the more apposite term in that it is more ambiguous. It does not restrict Jeff to being identified as a mongoose. Spook suggests something uncanny or supernatural and places Jeff within the context of Manx myth, legend, and fairy tale. It's worth noting that, etymologically speaking, this, the term spook is related to German spuck, uh, Welsh uh, puka, and Icelandic puki, all of which connote fairy entities such as the hobgoblin, Puck itself derived from Middle English puk or uh, pauk, meaning elf or sprite or imp. So in the very name Dalby Spook, we have an indication of how Jeff was regarded by local people, steeped as they were in Manx folklore, a rich admixture of Celtic and Norse traditions, end quote. So mm. mm-hmm. to them, yeah, this is kind of like um, the people that like to use the term UAP instead of UFO. <laughs> I, I feel like uh. this is on the same line, but like yeah. I understand because like it doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, put Jeff into this like narrow window uh, of what right. he can be. So, well, you know, the, he, he put himself in that, in that window, but, but obviously right. he's, he's so much more. And then you wonder, uh, is that really how Jeff sees himself? It's like, well, I'm I'm in right. the I'm in the form of a mongoose, but I'm I'm really a ghost. And then I start thinking about Sandown Clown, Sam mm-hmm. the Sandown Clown. Is that uh, well? What are you? Are you a ghost? Also on an yeah. island? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Yes. Also in the yeah. UK. And he's like, uh, I guess <laughs> I don't know how to. <laughs> I guess I'm a, a type of ghost. All right. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to explain what I am to you. I think that. 
maybe what is going on here with, with Jeff in that he's dealing with humans who uh, have a long and rich tradition, especially in that area, of as what you just described, Rob, as, uh, you know, elf, sprite, the fey folk, mm-hmm. uh, woodland, you know, woodland sprites and all this uh, floating around. And they are very much a part of uh, not only the culture, but the landscape themselves. And if, uh, as we had noted before uh, with the uh, uh, the Hebrides, uh, you have uh, tales of a, of a pygmy race that uh, eventually could go turn themselves invisible. I think for mm-hmm. as a means of self protection. Uh, again, one of a, maybe something that uh, Charles Fort would call a wild talent, uh, you know, or some kind of magical learning. But you have all different kinds of creatures uh, around these parts, and this is just one more. Except it's more, um, like I said, other than the Fey folk, which are you know notoriously skittish. And, uh, you know, yeah. if you don't leave them a little offering, uh, tobacco, some cake, some honey and milk, uh, they they may um, play a prank on you. And they're they're kind of uh, ambivalent and they can be nice, they can be good, or just real jerks, a little bit like Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, like all these, all these spooks. So it has a lot of the same overtones as a lot of these other... Uh, you know, magical creatures here, but but he's certainly the 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 thing that strikes me about Jeff the most is he's uh, he's a bit of a ham. He's like he's yeah. like I said, he doesn't have that skin. I mean, he's uh, I think if he could materialize into a four foot tall weasel uh, or mongoose, he would just to freak people yeah. out. So uh, there's some things he can do, and the rest he's just kind of describing very uh, you know and being coy. He was seen by the family a few different times, but he didn't look the same every single time. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, there was one instance in which he was, um, Jeff claimed that uh, Jim saw him as he had the appearance of like a strange Manx tailless cat. Um, There is, uh, there are photographs of Jeff. They're not very good photographs, but um, (laughs) they, it doesn't look like, I, I don't know how you describe that, what what that yeah. is in those photographs, because like it has like elements of um, it, like a skunk to me. There are elements of that. There are um, it has a big bushy tail. Um, yeah. So like, you know, skunk, cat, like there's a lot going on there that the, the photographs are strange. They're just very poorly taken. But um uh, what's interesting here is like, you know, if you get into the like George P. Hansen trickster and the paranormal stuff, you have all the elements here. You have this, like, like the Dorlish Cashin, the Isle of Man itself is a very liminal space. Like it is very yeah. isolated, uh, not to mention like when you get into the idea of like class and how that um, influences who experiences what and stuff like that. There is definitely this at play because like. What you're going to find is that Jim Irving purchasing this property was kind of like a Hail Mary move after um, uh, his uh, his job uh, kind of uh, his main job kind of uh, ended up being swallowed by uh, World War One. But um, the house itself is interesting. So. Um, it was built of stone. Um, the interiors were lined with uh, wainscoting, um, which um, uh, wainscoting uh, in like if um, if you're if you're American, tongue and groove is basically the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah. yeah, but it's you, like hip high, right? You, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
So y- you've got this gap created by this these wooden boards. But the thing is, and like one thing that I've kind of been trying to wrap my head around is like I don't think these gaps are huge by any means for yeah any kind of big animal to be you know running right. between like the rats could but I can understand why rats could because they can kind of squeeze into anything but like when you hear like stories of Jeff just like running quickly between these boards it, it it's it's very strange and it makes you wonder but like yeah um, despite Dorless Cashin's reputation as like a newer built structure the style of it is very old um it's like put together not by mortar but by earth like you know people taking like mud and putting it you know um and like uh using just old building techniques um mm-hmm. and so you know like dating the structure itself to like the style of the house and 1350 um uh but uh what also makes it unique is like it's a two-story structure which is unique for the area which made people believe that at some point somebody important had built it um but again it's in an area that's very inhospitable it's a place where you would wonder why anybody would build a structure like that because again it's very isolated it's not easy to get to um and the building itself was uh, demolished in 1971. So um, you can see uh, if you go there like today, you can see like some of the old fences that they had there and you can see some of kind of the um, base foundation. But that's that's it. It's all been overgrown by then. Um, but like there are a lot of early settlement in this area. There are. Um, old uh, hand dug wells lined with stones. There's uh, there's a cairn that dates back to the Bronze Age um, that sits a few hundred yards away from the house. There's a prehistoric mound. Um, and uh, there was actually a um, Norse burial mound that was found about a mile away in 1850 and it was excavated. There was uh, the remains of a Norse homestead built between the ninth uh, and thirteenth centuries that was kind of that kind of adjoined the farm itself. So, um, Dalby itself is uh, derived from the Old Norse, which means Dale Farm. So um, that's uh, that's pretty much what it was. Um, and the the building was originally owned by an eccentric uh, French refugee uh, named Pierre Henry Joseph Baum. So, um, you know, it, apparently it just attracted like, you know, the weirdest, uh, uh, the weirdest of the weird, I guess. But, um, um, yeah, as for James Irving himself, he was born in January or February of 1873, uh, in, uh, Wavertree, which is a suburb of, uh, Liverpool. And, uh, his wife, Margaret Ann Heaviside was, uh, born in Wavertree as well in August, 1977. Uh, and on her mother's side, she, she had some Mang Santra ancestry. So, um, they had that going on there and the two got married August 14th, 1897. Uh, Margaret herself was a dressmaker and, uh, before she got married to James and, uh, what's interesting about Margaret is that um, a lot of the people that came to visit to try and experience uh, what Jeff had to offer, a lot of people said that uh, 
Mrs. Irving was a witch. They believe that she, she was a witch. She gave off a witch vibe. She had uh, she did. very uh, piercing uh, uh, dark brown eyes. I think yes. that, uh, that people... Uh, yeah, she just gave off that vibe, and long before there was social media to uh, to further that on your own, right? <laughs> yes, uh, you know that kind of persona. It, it's just they they thought she was odd, but they also thought the daughter, uh, which you'll be uh, getting to here, yeah. uh, was a little odd. That's also a part of it. You know, it's always the personalities too of the people claiming mm-hmm. this stuff. Is that it's also I, always uh, women being afraid of men? I mean, men being afraid of women, just in general. <laughs> it seems well, that way. They, yeah, if right. they can commune with a talking mongoose, say so you better uh, take heed. Yes, uh, but yeah, there's always there's always a uh, little bit of an eccentric uh, personality, or seeming so from outsiders looking in, uh, and then sometimes you know not at all, it, and and sometimes we love those cases where it's just a, it's just a regular old uh, family. Uh, having to deal with this, perhaps like uh, the Delphus Ring, this weird thing happens, and then you know they're not looking for anything. They just don't have this. They have this uh, heaped upon them. Whereas uh, you know all of these, uh, you know th- these families in a certain sense, there's something uh, that the entity or presence makes a connection to. I guess like people, you know they they uh, uh, they focus on in on one person within this group or family. Same thing happened with Conjuring Philip. Uh, in one of the researchers, uh, uh, one of the older researchers who came by to uh, to look, he would want to, you know, whatever this Philip was knocking, would want to engage more. Uh, I think it was Sid. I, Scott may may remember the name, but uh, here it's uh, the favorite is the daughter, and with the Bell Witch, it was uh, with Betsy, uh, and had you know animosity towards the father. So it's a, it's there's some pettiness with this. It's not like a really uh, emotionally evolved <laughs> character who's come down to uh, dispense with pearls of wisdom and and uh, and peace kind and and uh, and love for everybody. It's uh, there's some pettiness, uh, some jealousy, just just all the kind of base emotions. Uh, yeah. but also ones that are associated with uh, with the spirit folk too, you know. Mhm. Absolutely. Leprechauns uh, being jerks, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, just, if, they, if they didn't, uh, yeah, you'd be surprised if they weren't, you know. And, and just again, it's always a, uh, uh, it's a taunt. And then before we, we forget, Scott's probably going to remember this as well. But it also is a little bit like the vertical plane, uh, in that uh, here is this um, otherworldly entity that has a, a lot of intelligence, uh, mm-hmm. but you don't know what it is, and it's being coy, and it's like I can't tell you. It's it. You know, whereas right. Jeff would say, "Well, I'm a mongoose," but, but that's hard to wrap your head around. And the entity twenty one oh nine that was appearing on the computer, it's like you're you're kind of a sassy jerk. It's like either just tell <laughs> us the information from 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 the future, wherever you get it from, and and uh, help us out, or just just keep it to yourself because you're not you're not being helpful. Well, uh, yeah, but Jeff was also, helpful. Yeah. That also gets into kind of your Mothman territory and what John mm-hmm. Keel was dealing with and uh, con- with his contactees uh, network that he had and, and getting all this information and that the information wasn't always reliable, you know. Right. So, yeah, there's there is a lot of um, crossover in that. And the information in this case, uh, when it comes to Jeff, is um, town gossip, you know, so it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty innocent, you know, by and large. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, um, uh, with, um, with the, with the Irving family, they, um, 
they lived in Wavertree for a number of years, and um, they had um, Margaret and Jim had uh, to initially two children, Elsie, who was born December 9th, 1897, and then uh, Gilbert Ramsey, born uh, in 1901. And James had a job. He was employed by the Dominion Organ and Piano Company out of Canada. Um, they were known for making these really high-quality upright and uh, grand pianos. Uh, and, you know, he made it a decent salary. He made the equivalent of uh, yeah. 55,000 pounds a year. So, you know, he um, yeah. he made, you know, quite a quite a salary. And um, he uh, the, the business ultimately collapsed uh, because of World War uh, One. He blamed the uh, McKenna tariff, uh, which was a tariff on bringing over uh, importing luxury items during wartime, basically. So, um after a, a few failed business ventures, Jim invested 310 pounds into Dorlish Cashin in November of 1916. Uh, and the house came with about 70 acres. Uh, he really had no intention of moving there, but was forced to when uh, it was an engineering venture kind of failed. So... The family moved into the house, which was dilapidated at the time. They did a lot of renovation to get it livable. And during World War One, he um, leased some of his land to the government, uh, which um, the Isle of Man was used as a prisoner of war camp. And it housed up to like almost 30,000 POWs. And it was considered one of the harsher POW camps. Uh, but uh, what's interesting is that uh, some of the POWs actually helped to do some of the renovations on Dorlish Cashin um, in uh, around May of 1917. But what's interesting is that it, it, as a precursor to Jeff, um, according to a, a letter that James Irving later wrote, uh, I believe it was to uh, Nandor Fodor. He hired a couple of men named Callister and Kelly to um, uh, do the renovations and to, you know, live there while they were doing it. Uh, quote, in May 1917, I engaged two Peel men, Callister and Kelly, to effect certain repairs and in order to avoid delay walking to and from Peel to here, eight or nine miles, these men had beds and cooking utensils carted out, and they were to sleep here until the job was finished. Um, self, wife, and daughter occupied a cottage a mile away. The second night they should have slept here, I observed that they were going home to Peel, and I asked why. They said they had a small job or two to do in Peel at night, and it is only now, seventeen and a half years later, that I have learned their reasons for going. It appears these men occupied a bedroom each, and Callister was surprised at some time in the night to be awakened by Kelly, who said, Look here, John, I cannot sleep in that room. I have heard strange noises, and there is something uncanny about the place. Um, Callister himself heard nothing. I have only just learned of this from Callister's widow. Both of these men were respectable, sober individuals. End quote. <laughs> so, um... The family moves in uh, September of 1917, and um, they initially saw good profits right after war, um, though uh, it wasn't too long after that produce prices fell, which led to um, labor kind of moving away to more populated areas. So um, it 
fell on the family to tend the farm themselves. So Irving, he decides to join a Masonic Lodge uh, to kind of, you know, get his name like uh, a little more respected in the community. But he, yeah. his membership yeah. lapsed in 1926 because he failed to fa- pay the fees. So um, the <laughs> thing about the Irvings is that they were very affluent in the in the yeah. way that they presented themselves. They I wouldn't say they had a lot of money, um, but they um they certainly dressed the part and they acted the part mm. to the point where um uh one thing that a lot of locals noticed is that uh Jim Irving never had calluses on his hands from working the farms so <laughs> oh he mm. was soft yeah he was very soft <laughs> or he, so. he he was clever enough to get a, a an invisible mongoose to do the work yes <laughs> which he, so, he did do, he did help out around the house with with bit. tiny farm tools yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry sorry i digress with tiny farm tools. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it takes a long time to plow that field. Let me tell you. I mean, he's like, well, he's only done like one tenth of an acre. He's been out there for three days. Imagine (laughs) his digging skills just on his own with the with the hands. Uh, like the fantastic Mr. Fox, just very, uh, yeah, and not afraid to get dirty. But uh, that's also what was said about the families that, especially the daughter, that they you know, she wasn't afraid to uh, to get her hands dirty and do hard work. Mm-hmm. And so, right. uh, you know, they were raised on a farm, and there, there's nobody left because, again, you know, the um, there's a labor mm-hmm. shortages. I believe, as you yep. noted, uh, most of that uh, moved towards the the urban areas, uh, like it yep. always does, and then. You're left to either you do the work or nothing gets done, and so exactly. they're, they're trying to eke out a living. But uh, I, I did a conversion on that house purchase price. Yeah, that would be but, that'd be almost eleven grand, you know, which yeah. anybody certainly in the U.S. would kill to find a decent house for eleven grand with seventy acres yeah. right now. I'll but, take uh, ten. Yeah, but yeah, but that was that's still a good chunk of change though for sure. back then. You yeah. know, yeah. so yeah, mm-hmm. even I mean, and that's in today's dollars. So right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Three hundred and sixteen uh, pounds. It's uh, and the pound at that point was, I think it was twenty two hundred to dollars, yeah, or whatever it was. It so, was yeah, it was so, pretty strong yeah. back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I think it was. Uh, at that uh, by that point, it was. I think it was still pretty strong. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, but I mean, and then the the remodel but the first was it the french do we not know was it the french eccentric french uh immigrant that built it or he just was the first yeah. owner or the prior owner he was just the prior owner they, so we don't really I, know who built it no we we yeah. we, we never yeah. find information on that there are no records as to who built dorlish cashin um yeah. it's just like you know remnants of older um, structures that make it seem as if it was occupied. It's been occupied for a long time um, in the sure, sense sure. that, um, you know, there have been older structures going back, you know, hundreds of years. But with this one, um, you wouldn't think a structure like this would last, you know, uh, hundreds of years. It would, you know, um, j- just given that that uh, structure that, I mean, it, it was a solid built, you know, house, but it it's just yeah. like who would use old building techniques like that? And to be honest, like it wouldn't. I don't think it'd be easy to maintain like a property like that, especially if you look at it because it looks like it's you know when 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 people talk about like you know 
UFOs being made of one solid yeah. thing, one solid piece of metal. Like it looked like the house looks like it was made of one solid piece of like rock. It, you know, it does. Yeah. So we're looking yeah. at uh, mm. a photo here that uh, Scott sent a link, and it's a very very plain and smooth sharp from the looking outside. Though. It is, yeah, yeah it's sharp. It, it appears to be well crafted. Uh, yes. You know, not many windows. It's probably dark in there, so each room has like one window facing out. Uh, right. There uh, seems like a, you know. Classic two fireplaces on each side of the uh, the room. So, you yep. know, every room uh, going up and down has their own fireplace to, to heat the place. But, yeah, it's, it's very simple and modest, but but sturdily built. Exactly. It, you know, in that, uh, like I said, it's uh, – but it's harsh country over there. I mean, they, you know, harsh it weather is. and uh, mm-hmm. hard scrabble land and uh, – you know, it, it does look a lot. Uh, also, the other connecting factor here is, uh, you know, it, it's it's beautiful, but in a in, in a bit of a stark way. Mm-hmm. As we start, saw some video from, uh, you know, the Great Mole Air Mystery, and so the Isle right. of Mole, and that area too. Uh, is uh, it's kind of rocky, it's craggy, but people throughout the centuries have made their livings off of it and are able to do so. But like on Mole, though, it's, uh, you know, there's shepherds, there's some farming going on, but it's also, um, it's not real smooth rolling hills. So it's, you got to, you got to put a lot of work in. So, you know, this land is cleared uh, and it's not a bad homestead. So he's got, he's got some property there, but it's a lot for just Two people, right? His mm-hmm. husband and wife and the daughter, and whatever uh, attendant, you know, workers would come by to help them. Well, so you know what you need is right. another set of tiny hands to help out. It's, well, you it's, wonder. It's a, it's, it's a big it's a, thing. You need it's it. a big <laughs> thing. But you wonder, do with people uh, that would also be a common criticism? It's like, well, you know, here you're somebody used to getting a lot of attention, or at least a little mm-hmm. bit in higher standing in the community, and uh, then you have uh, not that he had a turn of luck. I guess a little bit, and that, like I said, the uh, the, the piano and organ sales were dried up, and uh, a few business ventures, uh, an engineering venture failed, and so now he's been knocked down a few pegs, and yep. it's uh, and here maybe you need a little attention. On the other hand, it doesn't make any sense to me to uh, to get that uh, to raise your standing in the community by claiming that there's a mysterious uh, invisible no. mongoose at your place. Uh, it's no. not the attention you want. No. Um... And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, uh, we'll post photos online of like the house, but like, if you look at the house, it's a very, yeah. it's a stark looking structure. Like it's very, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, it, it stands out. Like the house itself feels like a character in its own right. Just, uh, mm-hmm. um, from the, the design and everything. And one thing that I think is important to understand, there is no electricity in this house whatsoever. At right. All. Right. So, right. Um, you know, uh, if you're thinking by electronic means that this was done, no, there is no electricity out in this place. This is very <laughs> rustic. Oh, no, they, they had small servos built with uh, yeah. remote controls <laughs> and triggering <laughs> triggering these devices to, to make knocks yeah. and scratches uh, at the appropriate times when people visited uh, an elaborate yeah. setup to, uh, I guess, to get on... Uh, Public access television. Then, uh, yeah. no, it, it's just very, it's very stark. And uh, I was going to ask you if uh, Rob, before we get to to, uh, or maybe not hit on it, if you saw there was any connection to. Um, oh, I'm just trying to think of uh, a, another case where uh, a lot of strange stuff was happening in outlined in the book, The Uninvited. Oh yeah, 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 with the uh, the Coombs family, yeah, 
That's right. At another farmhouse, yeah. desolate, weird stuff. I mean, that was more of the kitchen sink. That you know, he had disembodied hands, right? Uh, UFO sightings. That was more the uh, the the bouillabaisse of of uh, yeah. high strangeness happening there. But it, the the setting reminded me a little, you know, of of something, uh, you know, again with the farmhouse. And then you have the criticism. Well, it's always at a, uh, a you know isolated farmhouse. Why isn't it? this stuff ever happening in the city. And it does. It's just right. that I think when you have a story like this, it, you've stripped away all the other noise around it, and it's very easy to focus on what's going on on this, uh, you know, somewhat barren patch of land. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, that liminality, it plays a role in mm-hmm. a lot of these sightings because, like, yeah. like, even if you think about, like, a lot of your, you know, more well-known UFO sightings, mm-hmm. um they're they're occurring in places that aren't you know like that don't have a large name to them you know like no, exeter no. new hampshire um you know that's like <laughs> oh, who uh, knew exeter new hampshire <laughs> <laughs> well no the the one that was really remote that uh cuz i i've been trying to the hard thing is uh, for me to decide uh which of the uh the posters you're coming out i want you to talk a little bit about that and plug it uh the uh, mm-hmm. the panels you have yeah. of different uh, sightings. One was the woman in uh, British Columbia, yeah, and she was for, in an uh, isolated area. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it, the, the phenomenon was like, oh, yeah, every night there's orbs. Every night mm-hmm. there's strange things in the sky. Well, yeah. On one occasion, the orb shows up in my bedroom. And yep. it's like it, it's like a hot spot, yet it's it's there's no one there to record it, really, just, uh, just her and, yeah. you know, scaring the crap out of her. And, and like everybody that she talked to was just like, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. This stuff happens all the time. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, no guess you, it's the paranormal apathy. It's like, yeah, yeah I, I, look, I got to get up early. So uh, yeah. do your light show uh, elsewhere. Uh, but but tell the listeners, I'm sure you made announcements uh, elsewhere. But what I'm talking about here is uh, the prints for sale. Uh, yep. Welcome UFO people. Welcome yes. UFO yes. people. Yeah. Love the title too. Watch out, by the way, Rob, because Force will take your show over. You will find yourself. <laughs> what are you talking the, about? What are you yeah, right he's now? Hosting he's it. doing he's some advertising for me. Yeah. Are you kidding? You yeah. know what? Plug your show. Plug your own show. show. No, it, <laughs> why not? I don't uh, look. You know, we'll we'll have a, a link in our next episode for those. Uh, but I was noticing from your social media, it's like, uh, well, we stepped out the. Fir- Send out the first batch. It's like, what yep. is that? It? Do we all miss it? Or are you are you making no. you know, crunch all you want? No, you're making the, more. The, they no. We uh, we have. Uh, I think we. Um, I think Todd ordered like a hundred of each. So okay. it's a limited okay. print run, but like there's yes. still plenty plenty to get. So if you want, um, welcome UFO prints. Um, it's uh, createmagicstudios.com/slash/welcome-ufo-people and. The first seven issues, uh, we we have prints available of all of them, and uh, I actually got my prints the other day, and they look absolutely gorgeous. So um, if you want, uh, if you don't know what Welcome UFO People is, uh, it is a webcomic that I write that uh, my friend Todd Purse illustrates, uh, and it's 
and basically we take a lot of the sightings that we've covered on our strange skies and we put them into and create these web comics these five panel comics that um depict uh, a lot of these sightings and uh we're really proud of them they're really great so yeah, um, yeah. create magic studios.com uh, dash or slash welcome dash ufo dash people and um yeah they're 15 bucks a piece and they're they're absolutely mm-hmm. uh beautiful so get your get your hands on them they're great yeah, and they also uh, just encapsulate one uh, the main points of a mm-hmm. sighting on one page, which is which is yep. what I like. Is that you look at it, it's like okay, here's the here's the story, and it, it it piques a lot of curiosity and wonder as well. But they just they're yeah. just gorgeous to look at, so uh, suitable for framing. So suitable uh, for that, framing. <laughs> <laughs> but in that case, though, Rob, don't you, you? I think we've talked about this before. It's like when you uh, hear of stuff going on. Like I said, that's very concentrated for a while. It's like, man, mm-hmm. I would love to go back to uh, 1935, go to that house, uh, yeah. you know, go to the place here and check it out and see what's really happening. Or like uh, uh, the place in Vancouver is like, is it really that active? Like every night, you know, and right. I, but you uh, these are all uh, occurring in the past, except that uh, what we know now, uh, you must have to figure is that something right now is happening as a mini flap somewhere. Right. That no right. one's really documenting or paying attention to. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like, the, and I think like a lot of it when you know when it comes to certain accounts from certain people, it, what it comes down to is like, who the heck is going to believe me if I say any of this mm. stuff? And I, mm-hmm. and I and you know like when you're talking about Bernice Niblett's story uh, of her yeah. time on Keats Island, and um, they just gave her the space to tell her story again, which is rare. Like it's rare to find a lot of, uh, the, you know, individual witnesses who don't have a UFO background, who are given the page space to tell their stories. So, um, you know, in the case of Bernice, in the case of Mary M star, the woman who saw the old Saybrook blockheads, um, she was given, (laughs) um, uh, page space and flying saucer review to tell her story. Like it's a very rare thing, but like, you know, um, uh, it's interesting. And again, those liminal elements and, and how they play a part in these sightings. Like it's, it's strange because it's like these, it's always these isolated areas. Like, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and not always, and not always, you know, like totally isolated, but these, these places that don't have heavy, you know, population densities. Yeah. What is it about that, 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 that attracts this weird stuff. So, you know, in, in, in the case of Jeff, um, what what was it that really, you know, brought him to the Isle of Man and to the Irving family? And we and we may yeah. have, you know, somewhat of an answer. So March 13th, 1918, um, Vori Irving, who is kind of the center of um, a lot of this stuff, is born. And there's kind of conflicting accounts of what Vori was like, um, you know, uh, Harry Price and Richard Lambert, who, um, you know, well-known people, uh, investigators, they saw her yeah. as kind of an isolated ch- child who was strange. Uh, whereas, uh, another investigator, Nora Nichols saw her as like this kind of like smiling and happy young girl. So, um, the thing is, is like, she was bullied in school. Um, she didn't have many friends and because like she, her duties outside of school were on the farm and like, 
even you know her schoolmates called her the Dobby spook. So yeah. you know, claiming that you know she was responsible for it, and and one of the claims that comes up over and over again is that she was a ventriloquist, that she could throw her voice, yeah. and that she was the one doing this. But like the way in which Jeff's voice was described more often than not is like uh two uh, like very high pitched you know like two octaves above what a what a woman could speak um yeah. so like which was like always kind of a strange aspect is like oh it's two octaves above what a normal woman could do you know uh, produce <laughs> right. uh, so like you know it's it's that weird thing but like ultimately her and jeff would become inseparable like they they yeah. became very close jeff was often a protector of ori um and there's like one incident in which these like uh she was going to school and these school kids were making fun of her and apparently some unseen force started throwing uh pebbles at these boys so you know um Boy, don't, uh, don't you wish you could have had that power when uh, when we right. were uh, you know kids in uh, grade school? Just right. <laughs> unseen pebbles to get kids to to freak out and run away. Um, yeah. Um. But like the the, the very interesting, she's a she's like even um uh, as Josephy states uh, uh of her in his book quote she was an early riser and the first one out of bed going down to the kitchen to make tea she was not afraid to get her hands dirty on the farm. Vori's interest in mechanics, together with her rabbit-killing exploits, showing her to have no squeamish feelings, might lead us to view her as something of a tomboy. But to call her a tomboy isn't accurate. Photographs and eyewitness descriptions of her attest to a well-dressed and attractive young woman. Lambert and Price's notes describe her, if somewhat condescendingly, as elegant in appearance, neat, uh, wears her clothes well, walks well, ladylike, well-developed, uh, liked being photographed, and apparently vain. So, like, mm. that's that's their description. But, um, uh, like, Vori gets the short end of the stick in this entire story. But, like, uh-huh. um, Jim Irving is very protective of, like, overprotective of Vori, um, mm. which... Again, if you look at Jim Irving as, as the culprit here, Jeff is also very, um, you know, overprotective and stuff. Uh, and it's important to note that uh, Elsie and um, Gilbert, they became estranged from the family in the late 20s. So yeah. um, they both moved to uh, England. Um, and after that, the the farm kind of struggled i mean they they had um you know vori from a young age was out there helping to tend the farm but um the the activity starts september 13th 1931 in the house um though um he would later uh, jim irving would later believe that um Jeff had been in, within the house for over 20 years before that, but you know, mm. that, mm-hmm. you know, that is what it is, but it, it started with tappings and knockings and they, and he believed it was a mouse. Um, so for a few days, um, the, they started to graduate to like other animal noises, like the sounds of yeah. a ferret, uh, right. the hissing of a cat and the barking of a dog, like coming from their wall. They were hearing this thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, 
And then there's a, a direct quote from um, uh, a newspaper called The Examiner. Uh, quote, Then on October 20th, the father and daughter were giving, given their glimpse of it, and they described it as possessing a small rat-like body with a long bushy tail, body and tail being of a yellowish hue, and the tail speckled with brown. Early in December, they began to hear noises similar to a baby child beginning to talk, and before long, they heard definite words issuing from the walls. They were more curious than frightened, and tried to test their abnormal guest with little pieces of nursery rhyme. And before a week was out, they were hearing the rhymes repeated in a clear voice. From that time on this queer body was repeated parts of their conversations, has discussed their private lives with them, and has retailed gossip gleaned from outside, end quote. So I think what's interesting here, and uh, this was also relayed, I think, uh, to Nandor Fodor in a, in a letter mm-hmm. later, is like, uh, aside from these uh, animal sounds, one of the first sounds that Jeff made sounded like, a baby trying to talk for the first time, almost like making gurgling sounds. So I think what's interesting is like, it's, it's not exactly like, you know, Jeff is there. It's almost like Jeff is being born in the moment. You know, I was, yes, I was going to say that, that there's an evolutionary process here, very rapid, of course, but uh, also same thing with the bell, Witch, where it starts off as a very small, things, knocking, rapping, scratching, like they thought a rat was uh, somehow, you know, running across the uh, the ceiling at night or in the rafters. And then it starts to grow and it builds. And then it becomes a lot more like it just, yeah, it's not, like you said, Jeff doesn't pop up on the scene like, hey, I'm here and I'm fully intelligent and, uh, and ready to cause mischief. This thing, it starts off small and slight and then builds. And I don't know if... Um, you know, it's like Starman. So well, it came down, but a, instead of getting yeah. humans' DNA, it actually it found a mongoose. Yes. And then it's a weird it turned, blend. No, no, but maybe if it's not like Starman, maybe it's more like what we just talked about, which you know, folks won't know if they haven't heard it. But when we talked about the Philip experiment, it's on Wikipedia. Look it up. Mm. Maybe it's what these folks are creating somehow right. with their expectations. They're developing something. If you go by that particular theory, or you go back to, as you said, Rob, the the trickster idea, right. and it's like yeah. it's just doing whatever it takes to uh, jack you around as much right. as possible. But it right. has to gain energy and be fed, and we that's something we also came across. If you uh, look into the concepts of a tulpa or egregore, is that you can mm-hmm. feed it, and then you can feed it too much uh, with psychic right. energy. And it starts to uh, get rebellious, and it starts to act out. And it can, uh, like any creature or a recalcitrant uh, teenager, try and break away from uh, the family yeah. and, and kind of go off on its own. And, and it's, uh, But it, it is very strange here. Like you said, it's like uh, gurgling like the baby noises. Baby noises are another creepy thing that pops up everywhere. Right. Just every, you know, uh, Bigfoot stories. And that uh, if you play a recording, they they get very upset. Uh, yes, the Bigfoots, the Sasquatches. There was they, some. Uh, there was a, a strange case that I covered last summer uh, as part of um, our sixty-five to sixty-seven series about this yeah. reverend named Anthony DePolo, who um, he um, I think he had heard some strange sounds coming from outside. He went outside and he saw. Um, a strange like man who um, uh-huh. kind of wearing your like typical kind of contacty clothing 
and he has a brief interaction with him and this man just like disappears like in a form of light that kind of lingers before it disappears but one of the things that he claimed afterwards is that he would routinely hear the sounds of a baby crying in his apartment after this encounter Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, like, what is that? I think in some, um, in some aspects, it's universal in that you, uh, again, the, the, I think the prevailing theories uh, or speculations are that if something's like the Fae or, uh, you know, something is trying to draw you in to mm-hmm. trick you or perhaps hurt you, uh, we all respond to the cries of a child for help. Right. That's just a natural thing. Yeah. Even if you're not paired, you you like, oh, my gosh, is there a, a baby in the bushes? And you you want to go look. And so that attracts you. On the other hand, it's also uh, it's disturbing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like nobody wants to hear uh, even if well, it's just puck for action there. But there you mm-hmm. go. Puck wudgy. Right. Like come across yeah. the cliff. <laughs> and then uh, next thing you know, you're you're uh, tumbled into their world. Uh into uh, the waters in the wild, where you're never to return or or age. You know, it's like it's that kind of fairy tale thing, but also we won't get old and we won't ever die. <laughs> it's very yeah. scary. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> and then oh, just to, it kind of made me relay this too. As as far as the voice, we had a great story ma- emailed to us for our Halloween series. Uh, that I think we'll we'll probably plan on uh, maybe doing something with as a. Um, uh, a, what a, a Patreon offering for the junk drawer. But it, it's, uh, I remember this person saying that, I think it was their grandfather walking by this kind of old shack out in the woods, a lot of property, or I think maybe, I can't remember if she heard it or if it was a member of the family, but somebody she trusted, where it sounded like uh, somebody was asking for help. Mm-hmm. And I've already, I think I've already told this that, just because I like the uh, the visual imagery where it's, it's just, it was uh, communicating, it sounded and I think maybe it was sounded like her grandfather. I got to read it again. It was so so long ago. So of course it's already enticing. It's mimicking. Yeah. There's mimicry, and it's like, help me! I need help. And she's like, oh my gosh! And she tries to go over there, and as she gets closer, the voice starts to change, and it gets more mocking. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, help me, help me. Okay, I've seen this. This is in the original Star Trek when they were stuck on that planet (laughs) with Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, remember that? Well, somebody was was like, they conjured Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, that because that was his hero. So it's like, choose your, choose your uh, destroyer. Uh, It's all choose a form. Choose a form. I choose a mongoose. uh, Yeah, just popped in there. I don't know what I was thinking. But here's it's it's the, the it's the mocking. Why are things on the other side so mocking? You know, cruel with their mockery and. And making, right. and well, that's the uh, that goes into that whole the energy feeding idea. Mm. Like, is is that what it needs? It needs to uh, needs to make you afraid, or make you feel weird, or make you feel stupid, or whatever. There's some kind of uh, energy there. However, if you've got tiny hands and you're holding silverware, yeah. you, maybe you don't need to eat energy. You just eat real eat food. food. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it depends. But, on... You know what else happens when you eat food? You have to go to the bathroom. Oh, so there's got to be little mongoose ghost poops somewhere. Uh, we, you know, mon- a little will, mongoose outhouse. We will outhouse. talk about uh, Jeff's um, uh, you functions. Know. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit okay. about that. Uh, okay. Okay. Up. Good. Good. But right. Uh, all right. 
So yeah. I don't mean to derail you. No, I said Forrest was taking it away, and now I'm, I'm no, stepping no, in. He's thinking, about, he's thinking about poop. I think he's influenced heavily ghost by poop. his son. Mongoose, ghost yeah. mongoose poop. Yeah. Well, ghost I, here's, poop. okay. Uh, seriously, if you want to look at, uh, like, look, the only thing that I can do is just put uh, connections together and, and similarities. And right. if you look at the Skinwalker, uh, it's like, why are they why are they taking Terry Sherman's uh, calf, you know, mm-hmm. or trying to, trying to eat it uh, or pull it through the, uh, you know, the, the fence? In that you think, I guess it still needs to eat. Or if it's, okay, imagine it's a spirit of a of an outcast uh, shaman and it can do this trick. And it, mm-hmm. in this form, you enjoy all the, the physicality. And I'm going to, I am going to tie this to Jeff. If you're a, um, say you're in spirit form, that you you still enjoy the, the physicalness of being on this earth and tromping around in the dirt and uh it's got to be refreshing from just being a floating around spirit it's it's powerful it's exhilarating i'm guessing yeah. it's uh rejuvenating and so uh you know and, and you can run 80 miles an hour and keep up with the cars scaring the locals on yeah. the dark desert highways exactly you can do all these things or you can fly or cool if you believe uh, the navajo traditions uh <laughs> the the, uh, the legends is that you can it's not just a wolf you can be a bear or an owl you can fly you you have yeah. all these uh, tremendous things. You can leap, you know, 50 feet in one bound, right. uh, 100 feet. And and so you can do all these amazing manimal. Remember that show? Manimal kind of. The manimal. <laughs> manimal. Uh, just watch the tr- uh, the commercial, the trailer for that, folks. Uh, it's yeah. worth the price of admission. But here's, it's you have a, if you're a physical being, as Scott said, and I, I know he's being uh, silly, but you need to eat and then you need to do everything else for yes. that while that yeah. you're in that form. And so we have to assume that uh, Jeff, as as a spirit, finds it somewhat exhilarating having an effect in the physical world as a, a, a ghost mongoose, whatever it is, but wants that physicality. Same thing with the, uh, the weird... Uh, and again, the Bell Witch, where it's a weird. Well, first, uh, the the father John Bell Senior, he shot at a very weird creature, right. uh, and it sounded like a, a cryptid of sorts, like a hybrid dog or something very strange. He wasn't familiar with. It yep. ran off. He was sure he hit it. It ran off, and then the trouble happened. Yes. So did did he bring upon the wrath of uh, of something like a a skinwalker or some kind of um, in. In, you know, incarnate spirit that is uh, running around, also mm-hmm. like a weird two-headed rabbit. Like these weird creatures are showing up, just materializing. Yeah, um, you know, it, there's a lot of parallels to some episodes and some stuff that I've I've, I've read <laughs> recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did an episode about the 1981 Northern Ohio uh, Bigfoot UFO quote-unquote invasion. This family mm. was dealing with, like, Bigfoot-type creatures, these, like, shadowy entities and UFOs on their property. They were shooting at everything. And, like, you know... <laughs> was it's this just... when they were standing by the fence? Yeah. Oh, and, uh, yeah. That chestnut, yeah, this chestnut ridge you're talking about? Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's it's very similar to a lot of the stuff that it's was similar. happening there. Yeah. But, um, and, and this, it's this really tall small town uh i think it's like rome ohio which is like Mm -hmm. has like 80 people in it and yeah you know this family is like besieged by all this activity at night to the point where they're on the roof shooting at things all night long but i think one of the interesting uh things about um and uh you know we're we're talking about you know um the the shermans uh is that um Mm -hmm. if you read uh um 
Mystery Stalk, Stalks the Prairie, which is a book about mm. um, the, uh, the cattle mutilation phenomenon that was happening in um, Montana in the 1970s, the mid-1970s. What's interesting is that they there isn't one explanation. They point to a bunch of different things, like there's Bigfoot activity, there's UFOs, there's like weird government helicopters. There's a lot of different things that they point to, which, mm -hmm. you know, feels more, it feels, when there's a lot of different things going on in, in an area, it feels more tricksterish than it does, uh, you know, like all of these right. different things happening at once. What, you know, what yeah. is, like, it's, it's a lot, it's too much to be going on in one area, but like Mystery Stocks right. Prairie is one of those really weird books mm. that is i don't think talked about enough when it comes to the cattle mutilation stuff uh which you know yeah. uh, is something we eventually have to get into on this podcast at some point down yeah the road. but um yeah like the, there's a lot of territory crossover i was gonna ask you before there was uh talking about scary i did ask you once before and you said there were a handful of cases not many but of a of a human suffering mm -hmm. the fate of of a cow, and you. There was one in South America. Yeah, it, these are just really horrific. Uh, yeah, but is it? It's that's a very low, low occurring phenomenon, right? You usually like never hear about. Sources are always kind of like the the one uh, the one guy in Brazil, and I forget exactly the case. Yeah. like it's the pictures that they include with it that are very yeah. stark and startling to look at. But like right. uh, a lot of the stories that you hear, like there was, I, I think one guy who told Leonard Stringfield um, that during Vietnam, his unit came upon these gray aliens that were carting these barrel full of human, you know, body parts Oof. And they were taking it to their ship. So it's like, um, you know, the, the the human mutilation kind of thing. And they get into like a firefight right. and stuff like that. Like, it all depends on the source because there's like a lot of very strange sources. Like, uh, um, you know, for instance, with the the um, the Antonio V.S. Boas abduction and, yeah, and you're right. everything right. that came into play with that. There was a guy that came forward years later named Bosco Nedeljkovic who said that it was a CIA operation. Um, and that it was a CIA helicopter. It's always ever one guy, but like, you know, right, right, but right. like, you know, that idea that it is, you know, something else, but like, yeah, the human right. mutilation factor is thankfully not, not that common. Yeah. Um, that would, oh, that would well, freak me out too much. I'll sleep a little easier tonight. Uh, yeah. but, but Jeff never, I, I don't think he ever assaulted anybody, did he? He threw rocks at Jim Irving. He threw, and he right. would throw rocks, but that's that's about the extent of it. Like, here's the thing: Jeff could be very threatening, and Jeff yes. said he could kill them if he wanted to, but he wouldn't because he didn't want to. And like, you know, he well, that's he, nice. You know, saying stuff like, <laughs> like that, but like, yeah, uh, yeah, vaguely, like, yeah, not even so vaguely threatening. But uh, well, if uh, the story is true, he was able to strangle rabbits. And, it, you know, it's something like how do you affect if you if you can't directly uh, harm somebody in that yeah. manner, what do you do? Well, if you're uh, the Bell Witch, you switch, you put a little poison in right. John Bell Sr.'s, uh, you know, aperitif or tonic. And uh, that is, I think, still remains as one of the earliest, if not the earliest, and an only known case where it was claimed a poltergeist of sorts had somebody. murdered somebody. Yeah, right. yeah. it's like, uh, you know, uh, 
that's a much darker story, whereas uh, Jeff is at, uh, well, he's basically just a farmhand and helps out <laughs> here and there, but, but kind of a, uh, a, yeah, a bully uh, in some degrees, or just one that, like uh, like you said, like, well, I could kill you, but uh, you go to yeah, sleep. Well, I'm not going to kill you yeah. tonight. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Very reassuring. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so during the fall and winter of 31, Word begins to spread about Jeff. Like the the word is getting into Glen May, into Peel, into other parts of Dalby, and uh, the first reporters to show up were from the Daily Dispatch. Uh, the first article was published on January tenth, nineteen thirty two, entitled "Man Weasel Mystery Grips Island During During the Trip." Jeff allegedly talked to the reporter. Queerest Beast talks to Daily Dispatch reporter. Gives a tip for the National. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> This uh. reporter remained anonymous, but, uh, um, quote, the mysterious man weasel of Dorlish Cashin has spoken to me, spoken to me today. Investigation of the most remarkable animal story has uh, ever been given publicity, a story which is finding, uh, credence all over the island leaves me in a state of considerable perplexity. Had I heard a weasel speak? I do not know. But I do know that I have heard today a voice, which I should never have imagined, could issue from a human throat. That the people who claim it was the voice of a strange weasel seem sane, honest, and responsible folk, and not likely to indulge in a difficult, long-drawn-out, and an unprofitable <laughs> practical joke to make themselves the talk of the world, and, and that others have had the same experience as myself. Uh, end quote. Right. So, <laughs> you know. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, you know. But he heard. Well, that's that would freak you out. So he heard yeah. uh, an unnatural voice issuing uh, from uh, uh, from the human throat, and that's that's the part. Like I said, if it's a uh, a movie, you always have the uh, the wow factor. Where uh, there's, I always call it the ask the expert in yeah. the script. So we either go to uh, you go to the old professor who has knowledge of all this kind of stuff, or it could be the yeah. uh, uh, the old man living in the shack who knows all of these. Um, uh, traditions, or like, I can't remember his name, uh, Norman, uh, he was the last man on um, Isle of Man to speak native Manx. Right. And he passed away like 1972 or 74, and so after that there was a big push to, we, we need to keep our language alive, and so there was a big push for people to learn it, but he was the last, uh, I think, native natural speaker, uh, right. where it was his first, lang uh, his first language. And, um, you know, or you go to uh, the the other type of expert is you go to the technician who analyzes something you have and gives you weird news. And and in the Mothman prophecies, Rich Haddam, it's, he, you know, uh, John Keel gets the, uh, or John Klein gets the recording uh, yeah. from his phone. And of course you get the weird message like, well, this is outside the range of human speech. Right. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, a human, I mean, it's, he's talking, but this is not issued from a human. Right. And that's the thing that go, well, whoa, because it, it, it's enough to freak you out. Yeah. Uh, now you're dealing with something that is inhuman, but has the the guise of being human, or at least knows our ways. And uh, he, I mean, here this account here, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. And of course, it's a different audience back then. But you're always going to be seen as, uh, I, well, it's, like I said, different audience. So maybe they're these people who live here and have more respect for their local traditions and and folklore and and magic and mystery are a little more open to it than yeah maybe the rest of us folks would be right. And the thing is, is like <clears throat> that would eventually change because, you know, there were, you know, with uh, not that many Manx people on the island 
after a certain point, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the reputation of Jeff. Like, I would say that podcasting has done more to revive Jeff than anything, aside from yeah. Christopher Josephi's yeah. book. Like, yeah. the podcasting yeah. world has done a lot to resurrect Jeff, because Jeff, for a long time, just kind of, like, disappeared. Because, I mean, like, unless you could find a, a, a copy of The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, which is not an easy... yeah. Uh, to get, I mean, you can now because uh, Tim Schwartz uh, republished it um, in part of uh, his book on um, uh, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. But like for that, it's not an easy book to get your hands on, and it's not. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the best coverage of like Jeff's story, um, but like you know, it was the only coverage of Jeff's story uh, aside right. from you know the little that Nandor Fodor published on it and and such. But like. Um, I think, like, you know, what's what's interesting here is, like, this, you know, this reporter claims to hear it, um, but, like, he heard it through, like, a cracked door, um, and mm-hmm. uh, they could hear, quote, a peculiar voice pitched more than an octave above the highest human voice, like the sound of a weasel scream, end quote. So... <laughs> Um, it's a not, it's not a natural sounding voice, whatever this is. Yeah. Uh, but like at the same time, the next day, uh, the dispatch publishes a second article about this and they start to paint Vori as the sad, lonely child who has, you know, all of these like, you know, personalities and, you know, for the animals on the farm and, you know, she doesn't have the social life. So, you know, she's taken a ventriloquism and she's created this, um, you know, uh, (laughs) say Jeff is a personality of, of herself, but like, um, the thing that, um, not only Jim Irving, but Margaret Irving stressed is that, um, this was not like, um, this isn't a ghost. This isn't our daughter. Yeah. This is an animal of some unusual kind that, uh, is either a weasel or uh, a ferret yeah. or I think, uh, they called them stoats, um, which is I yeah. think another, I think that it's basically the same thing as a ferret, but yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, they are insistent, but, um, I, I believe it's Margaret Irving who, uh, was the first to actually see Jeff. Um, and this is, uh, Jim Irving's description of this quote. My wife saw it outside the house on Saturday evening, the 12th inst at 6 30 PM when it passed through a gateway in front of her, like a flash. And it spoke to her a few minutes after, and told my wife it was him that she had seen. She described it to me as being about the side uh, of a rat in body, with a long bushy tail over his back, after the manner of a squirrel, and the fur, light yellow in color, and fluffy and pleasant to look upon. My daughter saw it in the stable loft on Saturday morning, the 19th inst, and it spoke to her, and she saw it again the same afternoon when it, it sat upon its hindquarters to be photographed. But my daughter, not being used to the camera, was not quick enough, and he vanished. End quote. So, <laughs> like, the, the, the descriptions of Jeff are very interesting after being seen. Yeah. But, um, there are, you know, the Irving saw him, and I think there might have been, like, uh, one neighbor kid that saw Jeff or claimed to see Jeff. But, um, yeah. you know, it was around this time that they started calling him Jack. And right. uh, he, he dubbed himself a ghost in the form of a weasel. Um, mm. However, you know, 
even in Meg's folklore, Jeff doesn't resemble anything like, you yeah. know, that that you can see in Meg's folklore, because like there's stories of like, you know, trolls and other kind of like, you know, sprite mm-hmm. spirits and stuff like that, like we've mentioned. But uh, the first suggestion that it could be a mongoose came from a reader of the Isle of Man Weekly Times on the Saturday, February 27th, 1932 edition, which stated, quote, after reading your de- description of the animal called the Dolby Spook, it seems to me uh, very like a mongoose. These animals emit strange noises, but I've never heard of one being taught to speak. About 20 years ago, then the owner of uh, Erie Cushling, a mountain farm in the Dalby district, liberated a number of these animals to kill the rats, and it is quite possible that the spook is a descendant of these. Uh, W.A. Tier. Um, so, a farmer named Irvine uh, was confirmed to have done this in 1912. Uh, in order to con- not control the the rats, but control the rabbit population. Wow. Um, mm. And, you know, it's important to note that, like, Jim Irving, center of all of this, Jim Irving wrote extensively about Jeff and everything that Jeff did to the point where he would produce, like, 200 pages worth of material and give it to, like... Richard Price, he would give it to Captain Dennis, who we'll we'll talk about in a little bit, and to Nandor Fodor. With the story beginning with Jeff here, uh, there's one story in which um, uh, Jim Irving relates to Nandor Fodor that, Mm -hmm. you know, hearing all this tapping, he decides to set out some rat poison. And um, Jeff picks up the rat poison and eats it. And he screams <laughs> for like 20 minutes. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, like an, an elaborate death scene, you know, that you'd see yeah. uh, on stage. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that's that's the, you know, uh, vibe that I get. But like, there's also an incident in which um, they heard like a tapping they they heard these tapping sounds at night and they opened up the ceiling and they found this indian ornament um that sounded like you know someone was dropping it in the ceiling yeah. and in later testimony jim irving claimed that this was his ornament but he never knew how it got into the ceiling so you know hmm. there's like um uh, a lot of just strange you know sounds but um mm-hmm. Uh, this is, this is a great, great, uh, quote from Jim Irving. Uh, another night, the sound was louder Then it changed into the noise, which something makes running around. That is no mouse. I said, then we heard animal sounds, barking, growling, hissing, barking, and blowing. Then a crack that shook the place and sent the pictures swinging on the walls. The house inside is 25 feet long. The sound was on one side and the pictures uh, swung on the other, apparently at the same time. I don't know if it's possible for him to traverse the distance of the house in two bounds and speak almost simultaneously as he thumps at the other end of the house. But I know that the voice sometimes seems to fill the whole house. For a long time, I thought we had two animals in the house, one that thumps and one that talks. Um, <laughs> and there's there's a uh, there's an interesting quote from Jim about um, Jeff talking for the first time. Um, and uh, quote, Jeff's first talk was something like 
And the sounds that he's making sounds like a baby. It it's it sounds like the sounds that a baby makes when it's trying mm-hmm. when it, when the baby is like talking to you, but it doesn't know how to talk. It's like kind of trying yeah. to right. imitate what you're what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, right, right. Then we heard a bark. I repeated the numer the noises of various animals. Back like a shot came the same sound. I said the name of the animal. He then repeated what I said. This way he learned to talk. In a few weeks' time, he was talking as fluently as I do. End quote. So mm. um what's interesting here <laughs> is that uh Jeff attributes his ability to talk to Jim teaching him, essentially. Like um Yeah, yeah. He's like and he later attests and says I could understand what you're saying, but I couldn't talk until you taught me to do it. So, right. like, there's, like, this, like, Jeff is this, like, very strange personality of, like, um, someone who is appreciative of the people that he lives with in his house and he, and he enjoys living with, but also just yeah. this absolute terror. Jeff it is in his own way is a child. <laughs> he is a child basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's some capriciousness there. Uh, the other note, uh, I'm sorry if you'd mentioned this before, but when they open up the, uh, the roof space underneath the slate, uh, the slate roof, they found a, a an ornament of Indian, yeah. Right. Origin and Jeff claimed to be from Delhi or born in right. Delhi. Exactly. So there's your India connection. Yep. And uh, again, the uh, like you said, it's um, something that uh, it's odd in that if he can understand you, then there's a maybe a telepathy going on, but he can't form words yet because he's not been physical ever before or having mm-hmm. to use uh, maybe some kind of uh, vocal cords or something like that yep. to be able to speak. But it's interesting that it's like, well, I could understand what you're saying, and you're not sure if he, in that sense, understands English or, or Manx. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then you wonder, um, oh, by the way, that uh, gentleman was Ned Madrell, uh, mm-hmm. the last uh, native Manx speaker in 1974. Yep. Uh, but you wonder, it's like, yeah, what is this learning process? Again, because uh, as we know, Jeff loves to learn. Right. And he's, um, and what else he got to do? You know, <laughs> he's like, right. it reminds me of the, uh, 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 Scott and I love this movie, but, uh, you know, Night at the Museum, where right. Rami Malek is the, uh, you know, is the, uh, oh, the pharaoh the, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, where'd you learn to speak English? Like, dude, I've been here, uh, you know, 2,000 yeah, years. Yeah, he said he okay, went through Cambridge. To, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I had time to pick this up. Don't, yeah. uh, you know, and I can speak it pretty well. But it's just, yeah, it's just, things are happening kind of rapidly. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like the baby, uh, yeah, as you hit, did you try to pronounce this? Yeah, exactly. Which is, I, I wasn't going to even try, but thank okay. you for taking a stab sure. at it. Sure, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fluent in gibberish, as yeah. well folks know. Uh, well, like I said, okay, then you're getting into, um, <laughs> it's uh, Jeff threatening to haunt people mm-hmm. and, and and pee around the house. Which yes. <laughs> yeah. very, um, like a child, like, oh yeah, or a cat. It's like you've yes. been away for a while and you come back home and there's a turd on your pillow. Basically, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, late 31, early 32, Jeff's like, you know, this, he, for lack of a better term, Jeff's an asshole. He's just like, he's a mean, mean dude. Yeah. He's spitting mm-hmm. on Jim whenever he gets a chance. He like, he bangs on their headboards at night. And 
Um, there are moments where Jim sees like water, what looks like water coming through the cracks of uh, the wall, oh. like in the in uh-huh. between the wooden boards, and it's Jeff peeing, you know, just like all over the place. <laughs> um, uh, oh, and like you know, Jeff is also that kid who's going to repeat back everything that he hears, uh, and he does that. Um, yeah, uh, he declares uh, one day in early 1932 after uh, Jim went outside to confront some poachers on his property he comes back inside and jeff basically says i don't like the name jack call me jeff and he spells it g-e-f um but um he um at one point he says i am a ghost in the form of a weasel and i shall haunt you at which point jim irving responded all right you devil haunt away you've come to the right house and the right people so um <laughs> do your worst yeah, yeah. exactly so right. you know uh. and and jeff would he would throw stones um there was um uh jim recounted a story from early 32 when uh, he saw this strange-looking Manx tailless cat on his property, and he set out with a double-barrel shotgun, intending to kill it. Um, though, like it, it, the in the letter uh, that he writes, because like a, a lot of this is like correspondence through letters, he said, "I wouldn't just kill a cat to kill a cat, but that's what it sounds like you're doing, man. You're just going out there to kill right. a cat." But. Uh, right. <laughs> he, he chases it into a nearby field. He loses sight of it, and when he returns home. He tells Margaret, you know, what he saw, because this is the strangest Manx tailless cat that he's ever seen. Mm. And Jeff says it it basically says it was me that you saw, Jim. So (laughs) um, and then shortly after that, he leaves out some rat poison. And that's, you Mm. know, when they're all awoken to the sounds of screaming for like 20 minutes uh, until Jeff like disappeared. And I guess he disappeared for a few days. um, And um ultimately you know returned uh like yeah. days later but uh in december of 31 things started to get a little scarier and and one thing that they always noted is like how creepy jeff's laugh was uh like it was very unsettling yeah. it was very yeah. maniacal in many ways um but in december of 31 the family decides to move vori um, into their bedroom uh, to keep her safe. Uh, and this is um, uh, from a, a letter from Jim Irving. Quote, whilst uh, dismantling the bedstead, Jeff, who was behind the wainscot, screamed, stormed, and threatened what he would do to us. The voice was absolutely full of malice, hatred, and spleen. And he was striking the wainscot with his fist, with the greatest of violence. Uh, when the removal had been completed in a high-pitched voice, fairly trembling with rage, he screamed out, I'll follow her wherever you move her. End quote. In, uh, they Later that night, they barricaded themselves in this room, yeah. put a bunch of stuff in front of the door, and at, at one point, they could cl- they claimed to see the door bulging uh, from as if wow. some terrific force was behind it. And Jeff proclaimed mm-hmm. in his squeaky voice, I'm coming in. And uh, there was like a heavy pot <laughs> of ointment inside that fell over and crashed <laughs> against the bed. And, and um, you know, like they kept her, you know, in that room for a little while until things calmed down. Yeah. And then 
in early 32, Jeff, you know, their relationship changes, you know, they become more amicable. Um, the family would leave food around. He had his own sanctum like uh, up. Uh, I think it was uh, upstairs. Um, uh, quote, my wife had him running on the beams against uh, again last night when he took some food out of her fingers. It is now a very <laughs> common occurrence for him to help himself to our food after we have retired <laughs> for the night. And he tells yeah. us what he has eaten without without uh, our having to ask the lean part <laughs> of bacon, sausages, bananas, yeah. oranges, sweets, chocolate, biscuits and drinks of water. I cannot get him to take bread or milk, end quote. Oh. Um, hmm. and then, yeah, Jeff would start killing rabbits for the family. Um, uh-huh. uh, again, a total of 244 rabbits and wow. every evening Jeff would chase the rats out of the house. Uh, you know, and, uh, there were points where, um, Jim Irving claimed that he would go to his bedroom window and he would see like, r- you know, rats running away from the house. Um, uh-huh. this is, um, this is a quote about Jeff's laughing. Um, Jeff liked to laugh a lot, which was unsettling and described as demented at times. I must refer to this laughter of Jeff's, which is very, uh, which is very varied in character. Sometimes it resembles the tittering laugh of a precocious or mischievous child. At other times, I would say it, it was the chuckling laugh of an aged person. And another distinct type is one, if I were the author of a shilling, uh, a shilling thriller, which I would say was satanic laughter or the laughter of a maniac. We all have a most intense dislike to this laughter as, as it is, uh, as it is very uh, trying, but fortunately we do not get this uh, kind often. A particular strange and sinister episode saw Jeff reciting a long list of illnesses and ailments punctuated by his satanic laughter. In rapid succession, he named 30 or 40 amongst them rheumatoid arthritis, gouty phlebitis, uh, elephantiasis, uh, melatonic sarcoma, black cancer, and Barbados leg. <laughs> I didn't know you could just put a Y on the end of gout. I, say, I, oh, it's gouty. All right. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, it's gouty. Wait, but can it, I try my... Uh, <clears throat> My son likes it when I do this, and you can cut this if it doesn't work. No, that's good. Go for it. <laughs> I think bad. that's fairly accurate. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if you pitch, <laughs> maybe if you pitch Scott's voice up a little out. bit, you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Very much. Uh, I, I think that's pretty close. That's got to be pretty. Now, close. Now I have one other scary laugh. Here Disneyland we go. Disneyland haunted house. Oh, wait, just one more. <laughs> there, that's that one. So. <laughs> That's uh, that's very uh, more Scooby-ish. That's, that was uh, Scooby. That, Scooby. Yeah, thank yeah. you. See, yeah. that's how Scooby I did it. That's, by the way, that's harder to do than you think it is. That second. Oh, I know. You know where you yeah. push that second. Uh, yeah. No, the ver- anyway. first def- yeah. definitely. You can a, cut um, all that if you want to. No, no, oh, no. no that's staying in. Crazy. We need we need more <laughs> Disney uh, scary laughs yeah. out in the world. <laughs> Uh, you just need the, the rattling chains and the uh, oh, yeah. and the the, the spooky no- yeah. the, the Disney haunted house uh, album uh, yeah. that our a librarian <laughs> uh, at uh, elementary school would play on Halloween. But here's, uh, I mean, the long list here with the laughter. Mm-hmm. It sounded to me like uh, it's like Grandpa Simpson, <laughs> yeah. like drop dropsy, you know, gout, lumbago, <laughs> you know, whatever lumbago. It's like all these old timey uh, maladies yeah. with, uh, with comical names. The melancholy, yeah. <laughs> like, and it, it it just seemed to him Wait, he's that was laughing a at it. One of yeah. those was a cheese, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but again, like a kid, like a child, everything's very childlike here. Everything's, yeah. uh, 
uh, bratty and uh, like I said, the, with the but with the weird laughter and right. uh, like a kid rattling off names that that sounded funny to them, right? And uh, just the yeah, the peeing, the the jealousy, uh, the eating it, but but at least uh, is removing the fat from the bacon. I noticed eating healthy. What right. is it in the fat that uh, <laughs> like why wouldn't it? Fat is essential to all, especially wild animals who don't get a lot of it, and it's uh, uh, it, it's key in the survival and nutrition for them. Right. Uh, but Jeff is eating light, so no dairy, no carb, you know, cutting down on carbs except for the cookies. Uh, and uh, really, the the bacon fat is is part of the best part of the bacon. So I, I don't right. I don't get that. Also, my it's like with my grandfather when he would lay rat traps, uh, you know, in their in their uh, warehouse or whatever, they would have a a piece of fat because rodents usually they're really attracted mm-hmm. to uh, you know to animal fats, and right. uh, that was a surefire bait. But it's just yeah, it's just a lot of. Uh, uh, there's something odd about this, and that is it is a mishmash and something that doesn't really know what it is, right. it seems like to me. Exactly. Um, and again, it's like, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, in the case of this, like, um, Jeff would be around for about nine years. Um, mm-hmm. Makes you wonder That's if, like... That's a long like, time, yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder if these, the, whatever Jeff is, whether you want to think of him as a spirit or something like that, and, and, and you know, right. whether you want to look at poltergeists as, um, you know, in this way, but, like, they grow old. Like, it, it's it's weird yeah. to think of a spirit that grows old, but, like, right. in, in this case, it seems like it's something that grows old and then, like, you know ultimately disappears after a certain period of time and like you have the elements of jeff being this like child that is growing up and like he has a thirst for knowledge he wants to know more he um Mm -hmm. you know he he laughs and he repeats everything he hears and and stuff and like um you know like it, it really makes you wonder if jeff is a poltergeist if a poltergeist isn't just like a spirit that like ages. Um, and, mm-hmm. and well, if it's old. connected to the people mm-hmm. in its environment, they're growing older. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if that it, coming back to the conjuring Philip, not to keep plugging the latest episode we did, but like, just to, like, <laughs> by the way, we just did a show called conjuring Philip. Yes. No, but like the, the, the aging, the idea that they're projecting it, all of right. that kind of stuff. And then, but there is a childlike nature to all of these things. I mean, yeah. even Skinwalker Ranch, there's a child, even when it's super threatening, there's yeah. a childlike nature to it. Right. So it's like, what you know, it's the dogs chase the thing and they turn into puddles of goo. It's like, yeah. wait, what is, what's happening here? Right. I, I don't yeah. know. I think. Well, the, the, the um, aging though, it's like, uh, like I said, the amount, uh, as we noted at the top of the show, it's a long time for a phenomenon to be sticking around. You know, right. generally we know these things to be, it kind of come and go. Um, the Bell Witch was around for, for quite a while. And of course, some people there, the uh, the neighboring family uh, who witnessed it all believe that there's still, there's still something odd going on, especially around the caves. Uh, near the old homestead. And then uh, but here where, uh, you know, there's so much energy being exchanged, I think, and just mental or emotional, uh, it's hard to jump ahead here, but it's like uh, Jeff would talk to the Irvings, you know, when they were in bed, as you said, between yeah. a half an hour to, th- to two hours, that's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, yeah, Jeff, yeah, let me answer your questions, please. We just want to get to bed. You know, we got to get up early. Right. And you have people that, um, like I said, that's just the friend that won't, 
you know, at the end of the dinner party, like just won't leave. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like midnight now. We're good. We, uh, you start yawning and it's like, no, no, I'm fresh and wide awake. I got questions for you. Right. Uh, so, so there's a lot of energy here. And maybe after a while, it yeah, there's an aging process because I, I can't imagine that things on the other side experience time like we do. Right. Um, maybe events. Well, it's hard to say. I think there's just, there's so much going on. But yeah, it's, it, it is an odd factor that uh, he's kind of stayed as welcome <laughs> or, right. or overstated, it right. seems. Yeah, exactly. And like um, at a certain point, yeah, Jeff just disappears for longer and longer periods of time. There are a number of investigators that come to the house, including um, Harry Price, his colleague Richard Lambert, Nandor Fodor. And Captain Harold Dennis, um, who was also a colleague of Harry Price's. And Captain Dennis is the only uh, investigator that actually heard Jeff speak. And mm -hmm. um, uh, but none of the investigators ever saw him. But uh, yeah, Captain Dennis had the um, the fortunate, um, if you want to call it that. Uh, occasion to see Jeff peeing through a wall. Uh, this is the direct quote. <laughs> quote, but we found a little stream of water running from a small hole in the wall, which Mr. I said was the animal performing its natural natural functions, end quote. Uh, oh, <laughs> natural functions. Yes. Well, so if only you could on uh, on out, tell my family whenever I have to go to the bathroom, I've got to perform I have to my go natural and perform functions. a natural function. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure they know without you telling them, but the, uh, or you get a sense of uh, something's, something's arriving. But here's, um, I, you know, only one time, uh, or it's just, it's never satisfyingly conclusive when you, I come across a story and there is uh, effluvia, let's say, or there's, mm -hmm. uh, except for, I think the time that uh, Scott, it's one of our favorite stories is the, uh, the Rain Man, where water was seeping through this house oh, uh, connected to the- Donnie Decker. The yeah. Donnie yes. Decker, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was happening in the jail and they collected some of this- it water, but it wasn't exactly like water. It was it? It sounded like it was more like water with glycerin. Right. There was a viscosity to it. It was something very odd. But like, uh, why are we collecting and analyzing all these materials from? Well, uh, that's from the uh, other side. Kind of like um, when Rich and I we covered um, the San Pedro hunting, and one of the weird things mm -hmm. that they experienced is that they saw this weird yellow liquid coming out of a cabinet. And they collected the samples, yeah. and they did have it tested, and the test came back saying that it was human blood plasma. Ooh. Yeah. And is... it had a high iron content, I believe, is what it, what yeah. they came away um, with. So it has been well, done, eating... you know. Yeah. I haven't. I, is, is San Pedro where the guy got strangled in the attic? Yes. That's where Jeff yeah. Wheatcraft no, I got... wanted to cover that. I forgot that you guys did that. I have yeah. not heard that yet. I want to hear it, but... Oh, you can, yeah, you can also, uh, for anybody that wants to watch it, you can watch it. There's a, a YouTube video of it, which is great. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. two hours long if you want to watch it uh, or listen to it. Yeah. But it is, it's a very strange case that is very violent um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, involves like, and, and the thing is, it's like the culprits, it has a, it, it feels like a poltergeist case. The culprits claim yeah. to be human. They don't claim to be anything else. So um, right, you right. know, that's a like a, an interesting aspect to that, you know. So yeah, 
Uh, Rob, have you mentioned that the the film that's about to be uh, it's finished in completion here? Uh, right. Nandor, Fordor, and the Talking Mongoose with a terrific cast. Right. Uh, Simon Pegg as Nandor, Minnie Driver yeah. as Anne, and then there, oh, Christopher Lloyd as Doctor Harry Price. That's which is a great great casting. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be coming out <laughs> soon. And like, um, I think Nandor Fodor was the. Um, he was there the longest of any of the investigators. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, Captain Dennis, he, he made a couple trips out, but it was usually for like one or two days. Um, yeah. Harry Price was there for a day. Um, Nandor Fodor was there for like a week. And though he didn't experience yeah. anything, he talked to a lot of people who did. And he, and he, right. and he saw them as being sincere. Like, like all of these people yeah. were sincere. There was one guy that he talked to that claimed that, um, Jeff stole his sandwiches. Um, <laughs> so, you know, oh dear, I, I hate See, stories. Now, like, if you don't mark yeah. it, if you don't put your name on it, exactly. it's, you know, it's up for grabs. Right. I mean, no, that, that happened yeah. and it happens a lot. Uh, uh, Momo, the, uh, you know, Momo, the, the long haired beast, right. uh, you know, surprised the, the two gals, uh, at the roadside Having a picnic, picnic, yeah, ate her egg salad sandwich in two gulps. Right. Didn't ask. Just right. picked it off the table and yeah, one and bite, the, two bites. Mrs. Hingley, they took her... Uh, the the mincemeat pies. pies. I, she pies, did kind yeah. of... Well, I think they... they uh, I mean, she may have offered, right, I think, a slice, and they just took the whole oh, like, yeah, three I pies. But they, but they kept the china, I think. They kept the china. They right. kept the china. They, they, they smashed into her Christmas ornaments. <laughs> but they were off put by the smoking, you know, so... <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I, well, as, fire bad. As Jeff yeah. is uh, off put by by bacon fat, like oh, right. dude, yeah. a little greasy. I get acid reflux. No, thank right. you. Right. Um, my doctor says I shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's the no, best wait. part of the My meal. doctor says I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Is, <laughs> there you go. He and he says he doesn't do any character voices. Right. Right. But, I've introduced uh, my I know. first the, one. The I only think, one that yeah. uh, those are pretty good. I think he reserves those for his family. But uh, do quickly do Nixie the dog, which is not uh, high pitch at all. <laughs> I almost can't do that unless All I'm right. looking at her. Okay. Uh, yeah. um, are you are you going to eat that? <laughs> if you're not, I'm just conveniently I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See? there you go. Matt, yeah. if you saw Nixie, you would uh, totally match. Yeah, she's yeah. getting kind of a doofy looking face and a wandering eye. So, yeah, no, underbite well, and yeah. a wandering eye. That's always it's easy to do a voice on that. Yeah. Right. Here, here's a question for you, Rob. Though, is that Jeff yeah. is eating the food? I mean, he's going through the food. At least he, mm-hmm. I guess he's polite to say like, "Oh, by the way, I've been, I polished off all your chocolate. You might want right. next time you go to town grab some more." But he's he's leaving teeth marks in the butter or whatever. Like, would you would you right. throw the food out? You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, I'm not going to really eat anything that has r- rodent teeth marks in it. I don't care who it's from. I uh, guess that depends on your relationship with your weird talking mongoose, man. I don't know. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, suppo- <laughs> I mean, there's some yeah. people that tongue kiss their dogs. Sure, I am not yeah. one of them. No, that's, yeah. That's, well, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, it's how, it's the practical side is what we've been talking about, especially with the, uh, uh, the leavings, <laughs> the poo mm-hmm. and the pee, and all the, the physical things. It's, it's all the practicality of these strange experiences or sometimes when we see uh, government or local authorities reacting in a way to uh, purported uh, things that should not be any rational person would not believe in. Right. Uh, But they're taking measures to, you know, in Hawaii, the tea plants by the side of the road to keep the night marchers out of your cars. Right. Uh, Little things that government decides to do that, uh, you know, is like kind of kowtowing because at some point you can't deny that there is something weird going on. You know, it's like there's just there's just too many reports. 
even if it's just to kind of quell the public, uh, you know, anxiety, you end up doing something officially, which mm-hmm. kind of takes care of it. But it, here it's it's like you know, and again, he's that he's an interesting house guest, but he's he comes at a price. <laughs> It's yeah. a little bit of a toll that he's, yeah, he's eating right. your stuff. There's pee. There's like, he's keeping you up all night. It, it you know, it is, it, it is an, it is a price to pay a, a major annoyance to have something is a once in a lifetime extraordinary event happen to your, you know, to you and your family. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, like that's a, that's a relationship you really have to think about and wonder is like, why did they put up with this for so long? Why, you know, <laughs> and I think like, you know, a lot of it comes down to Jim Irving and the uh, publicity that he was receiving um, for all of this. And, you know, when you consider that, like, it's, it's no surprise. Yeah. Like, like, I, I think this was honestly Jim Irving's, like, probably one of the best times of his life. Like, he was living in this miserable place. He kind of made a bad investment. Right. And, uh, yeah, he, he made the most of it with, um, Jeff, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, so, it's, again, there's no TV. Right. Uh, no electricity. Um, right. I don't even know if you have a radio. So it's reading by a, a lamplight. Right. Or you have Jeff. And, uh, and he is, for all this trouble, he is highly entertaining. Yeah. A- and again, not so much, uh, much more than, um, uh, you know, we love our pets, but they we can't talk to them. We don't really know uh, what they're thinking. They don't really know, except for a few words, what we're saying. And so when you have something that can communicate in an intelligent way like this, uh, but also behave like a... <laughs> Like from what I've heard from people who who do keep ferrets, you know, that yeah, some animals, pets like that are messy, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're cleaning up stuff. Scott can tell you, as you know, as a dog owner, they're cleaning up stuff you didn't intend to. Uh, same thing with Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and, and tell us about the time. When, well, there, there, there might be a surprise by the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> I got it close. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like we just you could just throw it in the fire. That would be a horrible idea. No, she figured out that hearth, the hearth, the hearth is black, and yeah. the lights aren't always on in there. Oh. So you can, you know, it can be there a long time before people notice. <laughs> right? I didn't do it. That was the boy. That was the boy who did that. Go yeah. ask. Go bug him about that. Uh, yeah. No, there's a very human. Like I said, there's very human attributes here, and. Mm-hmm. But but also child life in that it is that dichotomy where you have uh, an adult, seemingly adult intelligence, let's say, right. but also the experience of a child and also mixed with the experience of an animal. Right. It, and, and so there's a lot going on here in that, uh, well, I like certain foods, but, uh, you know, most adults know not to, uh, you're not going to feel good if you, you eat 15 candy bars. Right. Uh, and and Jeff well, is like for a minute for a minute <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a lot to get through yeah but it's yeah. like but he, but a child will do that you know it's like uh, oh I had candy for dinner and it's like now you don't feel well right and like well yeah uh, it, or or getting a, a cold here and so right. uh, there are physical there's physical things that uh, again that he may not have experienced before is doing it for the first time and is trying to work through it but. But also like a like a child would, right? It's just like I want to stay up all night, and then as a parent, you let them do that, and it's like, well, now we missed the the zoo trip because you're exhausted. Yeah, and then it's kind of like, oh, I guess staying up all night is not a good idea. I'm, I'm taking that from uh, uh, Family Affair. 
with right. uh, Buffy and Jody. When, right. <laughs> when they, um, yeah, they asked Brian Keith to stay. They want to stay up all night. He's like, okay. And they did. And then they they missed their big trip the next day. So, right. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just the, the, the experience here is is odd. That's one of the most odd things about this story. Yeah. Um, and, I, and what I find so endlessly fascinating is the number of investigators that came out, investigated this case. They all came away believing that something genuine was happening. They couldn't explain what it was. Um, I think Harry Price was probably the least, you know, um, nice about it because like he was kind of fixated on Vori and like her upbringing and the kind of child that she was to the point where um, he tried to convince Jim to let Vori like come with him to London where, you know, he'd show her around and stuff like that, you know, see that. But like Jim's like, no, not unless I'm coming and stuff like that. But like. (laughs) You know, <laughs> chaperone. Like, you're right. Yeah. So like all of them, uh, you know, pretty much stated that like, yeah, we feel like something genuine, genuine is happening here. The family seems right. to be, you know, of the utmost character. We have no idea what it is. And, you know, it was an Andor yeah. Fodor who claimed that he believed that Jim taught an animal to do all this stuff. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and that's that's Nandor Fodor for you, you know, like, you know, take, <laughs> take what you will. He's Nandor Fodor yeah. is, a, is an eccentric and interesting person. I will say that, you right. know, he's a psychiatrist, yeah. but he was also a psychical researcher and um, yeah. just like a he's a very strange cat, you know, just like very yeah. weird. But like. A- any connections you you felt to, to like a Heineck in in the same way of uh, somebody who's researching the phenomenon, uh, but in a uh, I always an interesting I say demeanor as you go about it, just kind of right, neutral like, but curious, right? Like um, I d- I don't know in the case of Nandor Fodor, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know his research enough to know. He, Wait, he seemed can I to read, be. Can I? Yeah, go ahead. Can I read? I want to read from uh, uh, Chambers' Dictionary of the Unexplained, just a little paragraph <laughs> yeah. for, about Nandor's work. Since we're on that bathroom right reading, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ch- yes, ch- Chambers' Dictionary of the Unexplained. I, it's it's one of my favorite books to refer to. Um, <laughs> the case was also examined by the U.S. psychoanalyst Nandor Fodor, who put a Freudian interpretation on events, spawning even more extraordinary speculation. The most fantastic theory which emerged was that the mongoose was a phallic symbol, psychically projected from the unconscious mind of Rory Irving in an attempt to express the sexual feelings that she had stifled in an authoritarian family environment. Mm. You heard that theory? Uh, I have not heard that theory, but I mean, like, the the vibe that I get from Nandor Fodor and his writing is that he kind of just threw everything at the wall and see what would stick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Including weasel pee. Right, exactly. (laughs) Or or it was coming out of the wall, yes. (laughs) Right. But, like, I I find that so endlessly fascinating in that none of these investigators straight up said, no, they're hoaxing it. Like, like, I think Harry Price believed that there was a hoax at hand, but he couldn't figure out what it was. Um, right, right. right. Well, I mean, that's also the, the, the you know, again, the logical thing, mm-hmm. which you you should rule out at first. Uh, but it's often the cases that we see, it's a the precocious uh, preteen, you know, often girl, you know, uh, luracy venom. 
Uh, yeah. The Watsika Wonder comes right. to mind. It's like, well, somehow she's learned ventriloquism and right. and a few languages. And, yeah, and everybody's the, an expert ventriloquist. Yeah, it's, it's the, a twelve-year-old. Yeah, yes, every twelve-year-old yeah. girl. It's and not that that's impossible. It's it's just very rare that you have would have somebody who could win uh, America's uh, or uh, <laughs> Isle of Man's Got Talent with these <laughs> yeah. extraordinary skills. Well, it took me two years to do that Scooby Doo laugh. That's all I'm saying. Uh, well, it's yeah, it takes time to develop prototype. Yeah, but that's the easy thing to go to. It's like, okay, it's a family member. Well, who here is, uh, you know, young and precocious and looking for attention, uh, especially when you're uh, stranded out here in the middle of nowhere on a farm with no friends, uh, you know, that's a likely candidate, but it's also, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pat. It's a little too easy. It's like, well, okay, well, let's rule that out first. And then if you can't, as, as you said, people here didn't seem to be able to, uh, Conclusively, pin it on um, on uh, on the gal, but you uh, you know you have to you, you should rule everything out. Of course, as an investigator, it's just right. interesting, like you said, that they they weren't uh, so easily uh, able to uh, pull the the mask off the uh, the Scooby Doo uh, villain. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they they weren't, and you know, I think that's why. I think that's why this mystery endures so much. Not only that, yeah. but like Jeff isn't like infinitely quotable to the point where we have a bunch of quotes <laughs> from Jeff here that yeah. I think uh-huh. are, are are worth uh, repeating here. Um, um, of course, I know what I am and you are not going to get to get to know and you are only grigged because I won't tell you. I might let you see me sometime, but thou will never get to know what I am. And like, I respect that, you know, man, um, you know, keeping his uh, a mongoose, keeping his, uh, his himself, you know, is is. Uh, hidden as possible. Uh, I am a yeah. freak. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, <laughs> mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. Wow. Okay. I really wanted that one to rhyme. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? He does have He does have a few poetic lines, too. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. He does. He has a uh, few. Um, if you knew what I knew, you'd, you could be, you would be wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, the other the other thing is I, I don't know if you're, you're going to get to it, but uh, yeah. So he like, one time he did get <laughs> this is horrible. He he did get sick. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. He he he, uh, he ate too much. He complained of a stomach ache, and then they heard him rather loudly vomit behind the wall. <laughs> yes. Is like just, yes. Which is it's like your dog getting into a bag of whatever, and then it's like oh now now we got a mess to clean up. But yeah. Uh, but but the one I loved here is like yeah he would get sick from time to time. So uh, the notes uh, say here uh, Jim I have a goddamn cough. I have a hell of a cold. You'll have to get me something like yes. what, Robitussin. What would yes. you like? I don't. We have very few things here. It's a long ways to the store. But it's uh, the fact that he would get sick. Oh, it's yes. very odd. It's, it is, or even to claim that. Yeah, yeah, right. Like um, a, a creature, you know, dealing with his own mortality, and and um, yeah, like uh, you know, mm-hmm. got to get that cough syrup, man. But like, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, juxtaposed with quotes uh, such as "I'm not a spirit; I'm just an extra, a little extra clever mongoose," um, or "A mongoose can speak if he is taught," or, uh, and this mm. is you know, like 
I bet you uh, Jeff could deliver a hell of a wrestling promo, but um, uh, to say, <laughs> I'll split yeah. the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. He would make wow. a hell of a wrestler. He really would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lots yeah, of lots it. of boasts. Or, or, and again, that's a, a And then he breaks into... To, uh, yeah, this the dawning of the age of Aquarius or whatever it is, the fifth dimension actually. Right. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he could have, he could have learned the the song yeah. or the time, but he's also yeah. uh, it's a little bit like twenty one oh nine from Vertical Plane, who is uh, yeah. also very boastful, like you puny humans with your tiny brains. I could explain right. all the wonders of the world, but you wouldn't understand me. It's like okay, give us a little. Oh, bit. it's let the sunshine. Uh, yeah, let that's, the, right. that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, my favorite thing is when. Um, aliens uh, encounter humans and then they just start shit talking mm-hmm. the human race it's great it's so great yeah. every single <laughs> yeah. time i love it yeah. well, it's like oh you primitive humans <laughs> yeah. yeah well yes. hey, look you know tell us something we don't know okay right. it's uh why don't you lay us uh, lay some wisdom on us that uh, is actually useful yes but of course we know what happens yeah it's like the twilight zone and the alien comes uh, with a cure for cancer and we shoot him Yes, because uh, we're afraid. It's right. and it's like I was about to help you people, and then uh, that's how we react. Uh, right. And that's well, you know, that's how the the folks here initially shooting at things, uh, and then you have to understand that uh, they're not used to this stuff. So, right. uh, but on a farm, you know, if you're around animals and wild animals, that could be a threat. Uh, that is a an expected reaction. So yes, um, uh, but yeah, like. Um, Man, uh, at one point, just... Let me do this next one in character. Yeah, Can go I do ahead. This next Please, one in do. Please do. <clears throat> I am not evil. I could be if I wanted. You don't know what damage or harm I could do if I were roused. I could kill you all, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> that did sound a little like uh, Woody Allen from Stardust Memories is the alien. Uh, up, up, pitch shifted up. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's perfect. Um, okay. Yeah, there, uh, Jeff claims he was brought to England from Egypt by a name, man named Holland. Um, mm-hmm. Quote, when I was in India, I lived with a tall man who wore a green turban on his head. Then I lived with a deformed man, a hunchback. You know, like, okay, mm. okay, Jeff, sure. Well, um, but, 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 but then now he sounds like a tulpa of sorts. Right. In that, uh, if he was created by a, a swami, a fakir, somebody oh, of, uh, of, the, of the metaphysical uh, uh, arts, mm-hmm. then uh, and then he's kind of passed around, or you can take uh, you can pass ownership to uh, to him. It's like unless you, uh, as we've learned, I think unless you intentionally dissolve them, sometimes they are their energy fades and they go away. Sometimes, uh, if you keep feeding them. Uh, here in the case, you know, physically and also uh, psychically, I guess, yes. uh, with energy, is that they'll they'll persist, but at some point they they can break away off on their own, and maybe that sounds like what's happening here to with Jeff. He's he's uh, escaped the bounds of his um, of his creators or his travelers, but that he travels around is is odd. Yeah. Maybe and, a little, maybe a little lamp or something. Yeah, and and he does, he does claim to travel around, like you know, even um, even on the Isle of Man and going around, he mm-hmm. he claims to take the bus. And at one point, uh, <laughs> uh, according to yeah. this article in Fate magazine, um, there was one point that one of the bus drivers set a trap on their bus to, I guess, like oh. electrocute him, and. Um, oh. Uh, I guess Jim learned of it and he told um, uh, Jeff what was going on. And uh, I guess he figured out what bus it was. And it turned out like, you know, that it was the actual bus that, um, you know, that uh, Mm. that Jeff told him. So, like, you know, 
there, okay. there's that. Uh, I don't know that that's very impressive. Uh, quote, I have three attractions. I follow Vori. Mom gives me food and Jim answers my questions. You know, like <laughs> simple needs. Uh, hey, Scott, I think you need to do this next quote, please, again in the voice. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you are kind to me, I will bring you good luck. If you are not kind, I should kill all your poultry. I can get them wherever you put them. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. Um, uh, it makes it less threatening and scary, but, but well, but I mean, also it was, that's what it was, right? He had yeah. a high pitched yeah. two octaves above, you know, everyone, or one of our trolls back early in the days of the show called me a thin voiced control freak. So I'm just going uh, into it. <laughs> Embrace it. Embrace the thinness. I even have a t shirt that says yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. But, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So. What ultimately happens to Jeff? So from 1939, Jeff's visitations kind of became less and less frequent. And following the death of James Irving in 1945, Margaret and Vori left Orlish Cashin to uh, and headed for mainland England. Um, Fodor believed that by the end of his visit, Jeff had grown less fond of Vori. So he visited in 1936 or 37, somewhere around there. But uh, um, she, you know, she was growing up, becoming more of an adult, um, and World War II was just like around the corner, and Vori would work as a machinist uh, for an engineering firm during the war, uh, and it was the first time that Vori moved away from home, and she would only come home on the weekends, but eventually, you know, after 45, they sold the property, I guess they took like, uh, they sold it for less than um, what they paid for it, I think they sold it for like less than 200 pounds or Close oh. to it, mm. but um, one year after um, they left, the new owner Leslie Graham claimed to have shot and killed Jeff. But after reviewing the photos, um, Vori claimed that it wasn't. But um, mm. the thing was, is that Vori she was very private uh, in her life, and she turned away many interviews over the years. But um, she finally gave one in. Um, uh, it was published in the July 1970 issue of Faint Magazine. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was written by... Which, for those of you... You said you weren't recording video for this. That doesn't matter. I just hold this. it up anyway. For your benefit, I'll hold no, it No, no, no. I just want I want the listeners to <laughs> yeah, know yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, that Rob is holding up yeah, a original. copy of that very Faint. Yep. Yeah, yeah. As well as every other book we've referenced. Yeah, yes. pretty much. Um, That's cool. And... Yeah. Um, uh, the she gave you know this interview to a guy named Walter McGraw, uh, who ended up going to the Isle of Man and um, mm. checking things out, and he ended up tracking her down in England. Um, but she was very resentful of Jeff uh, for for a very mm-hmm. you know good reason. Quote: Jeff was very detrimental to my life. We were snubbed. The other children used to call me the Spook. I had to leave the Isle of Man, and I hope no one where I work now will ever know the story. Jeff has even kept me from getting married. How could I ever tell a man's family about what had happened? Um, and, uh, you know, from what I understand, um, yeah, she just she wished that Jeff never came into her life. Um, I don't know um, exactly, you know, if she I like I don't know how how uh, her life went after that. But uh, we do know that she died in 2005. So mm. no, she was around a long time. She was, but, oh, she was like 87 or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, That's amazing. Yeah. She, she lived a long time, but um, you know, this is, 
this is where you know we kind of we've kind of touched on a lot of the theories but um you know yeah. there's a there's a couple that um uh we can we can get into here and one is that um jim was trying to drive up value of the property in order to sell it Mm. and there's really no evidence of this but like um there are there is a there is a case um that is very um uh, that that brings to mind the the guy that owned stardust ranch um yeah yeah the, the the katana the yes. samurai sword wielding uh, yes <laughs> alien reason, fighter yeah yeah the the main reason why he was came forward with those stories is because he was trying to sell his property for more money because it wasn't worth what he thought it was and if you look right. at the listings after he came forward with the story the property was worth i think like um a couple hundred thousand dollars after he came mm. forward with the story he was asking for 2.5 million dollars so mm. um yeah he he wanted he wanted th- that moolah he wanted uh you know people to you know give him the money so right right you know <laughs> i don't think that's a successful strategy when trying to sell your your property but like not then i mean no. that now yeah because right. everybody's all uh you know uh twisted up about skinwalker ranch and this thing's a you know they're envisioning uh, cable shows and this and that and they want uh, it's it's an amusement attraction that yeah. they're that they're buying not a piece of uh, property or regular ranch and so in that tack you know this guy especially with the stories and being so so outlandish yeah uh yeah that's a strategy but i don't see people back in these days it's it's like the um yeah you can go back to the uh kelly hopkinsville incident you know it's like i don't see these folks doing that to sell uh, tickets but again that's a that's you know commonly leveled accusation is that you're just doing this to uh to draw attention and uh i just you know i mean it doesn't seem likely yeah you people do weird stuff all the time i mean they're they're (laughs) And getting uh, notoriety for it, and that's a, it's a particular type of personality. But I, I just doesn't seem to be the case here. That and also that would go on for so long. Right. It's a right. long as I, as we always say. Uh, it's a long ways to go for a joke. You know. Right. It, it's it seems exhausting, but uh, but who mm. knows? Uh, you'd have to have been there. And then that's the thing. People were there and had their own small experiences, but uh, <clears throat> nothing definitive. Right. Um, one thing that um, people would often report is that, like, uh, if Jim Irving would go to meet somebody, like, uh, in the next town over, um, Jeff, uh, you know, uh, would claim to have, you know, uh, like, followed them. And then he would come mm-hmm. back and he would tell the family what he what what he was doing, what he had said, you know, what they ate, you know, and like she would start regaling, you know, them when they came in the door. So like, you know, that's that's like one weird aspect of this thing is like um, because yeah. I think that uh, Harry Price and um, Nandor Fodor both experienced that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's just like one weird element, like. Could it have been Vori? Like you know, maybe, but I doubt it. Like it's 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 another weird thing on top of the weird salad yeah. that we're all eating right now. You know? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in addition <laughs> well, to being able to throw her voice, I guess she would have to be able to uh, pee remotely. Right. Yeah. Well, or you've you've, yeah. you've rigged uh, the yeah ser- servos with little pumps and uh, right. Yes, yeah, without yeah. electricity. Yeah. Yeah. But it's and, it's. And, 
Well, uh, I was going to say, like with Lurus E. Venom and the Watsika Wonder, then you have somebody who's uh, able to perform advanced mentalist tricks as far as like guessing people, you know, answering questions that no one else should know. Right. And you you have some speculation about, well, how was she able to obtain the information? And in this case, being such, a, you know, remote distances and without electronic uh, eavesdropping devices there, or electricity for that matter, it seems uh, more uh, unlikely that uh, somebody in the family, if they were able to produce information about somebody while they were away or quite some distance away, it just seems, um, yeah, it just, it's just more of a, a mystery. Like, I don't know how they would have done that. Uh, unless they had, again, you do the uh, the magician's trick where you're uh, you're prepping people before you know in the in the uh, magic show audience before they arrive at the theater, uh, in an industry you know in an indirect way, and then you call on them, and, and it looks like you have uh, foreknowledge. But again, I don't see what the purpose would be here for that. Uh, right. Um, there's one uh, theory that states that Margaret and Vori did this to scare Jim, but like. It backfired and, you know, like Jim became uh, enraptured by this. There's another theory that yeah. states that Vori did this because she resented her parents, uh, you know, because uh. of where they lived and stuff like that. And like, yeah, Jeff was pretty disrespectful to her parents. So that's that's one right. thing. Um, uh, you know, there's the old theory that he's a poltergeist, which, you know, he kind of acts like a poltergeist in many ways, but he doesn't. So, yeah, yeah. Um, he uh he's a tulpa slash uh egregore you know like there's, uh -huh. there's always that theory which is again i think that the, there's like isn't there just like one story of one woman uh like you know channeling like some kind of monk that like gets out of hand or something like that i remember reading yes like yeah. is that the only story <laughs> we have of a tulpa like <laughs> It might be. Right. Well, uh, it, I don't know well, if you want to. We, we were a little cautious, but uh, if you want to venture into brony territory right. about uh, people creating their own best friends, um, I don't know what's going on there, but it seems. Well, I mean, here, here's, you know, what we learned is that for all of this to. Um, and I, again, I don't see this uh, with the Irving family is that you're, if you're trying to conjure something, you need to, uh, you need to believe it's possible. Right. It helps if you have a uh, strong intention towards it. And then you have total unwavering expectation that is, it is possible and going to happen. Right. And, uh, and then the anticipation like they did with Philip of, of talking to somebody, they just expect after a while, they just expected Philip to answer. It wasn't like, well, I wonder if, you know, I mean, he went away, same kind of thing. He, he went, the, the phenomenon went away for a little bit, but then it came back again, was stronger at times, uh, acted differently depending on who was in the room. It's all these same hallmarks here of, right. of this Jeff experience. And then you, so then you wonder, it's like, well, you know, what, what, what are the factors there? But as far as like the only story, I'm sure there's, uh, that's what I wonder too. What about all these tulpas that you didn't uh, dispatch or dissolve? They're just kind of out there, uh, roaming the ethers and, right. uh, or they just, or they just fade. Like they just, uh, as, uh, I can't remember who was saying this about, uh, you know, people that, uh, are, maybe neo-pagan who believe in like pan and, and wood spirits. And if you stop, they get, they grow quiet. If nobody's paying attention to them or not enough, they kind of go to sleep or go away until they're invoked again. And that is something that, uh, just a curious thing, <laughs> I did a, a lecture, uh, with, um, uh, 
Horowitz. Uh, in a, uh, see, what was it? Uh, Mitch. Mitch Horowitz. Mitch Horowitz. Yeah, yeah. Terri- yeah. yeah, terrific. Uh, that guy can, he can, well, we can all blab for a couple of hours straight. We, we have been doing that. Uh, but he's, but it's very, it's just packed. Jam packed with knowledge, no notes, all off the top of his head. It was qu- it was quite a day. But at the end of it, he's like, uh, "Yeah, go out and uh, you know what, make friends with an old forgotten uh, god of the uh, of the woods, you know, right. of the of the of the spirits." Like they they could use the company. No one's really thinking about them. They just have kind of vanished. It was it was kind of a fun thing to save like a little uh, metaphysical homework of just like, uh, "Yeah, go go see if you can uh, strike up a conversation with a a long forgotten." Uh, Entity, you know, uh, right? But then again, I, we just, Scott and I know the uh, there could be danger of that as well. <laughs> it's like, or would yeah, Jeff pick the right one? Yeah, you know, which one you pick? Or would Jeff? Right. Now you got uh, you got barf and uh, you know fluids to clean up, and <laughs> right. uh, and you got to feed the guy. It's it is like having a pet, and like with pets, it gets sick. Uh, then you're buying the medication. It is, yeah, it is. It is if you do, you know, if you were wondered if your dog could talk, maybe it would be something like this. Right. In the uh, the nature of, of of a dog, which is like, uh, you know, they're friendly, this and that, but they their logic is different. Like, uh, I thought you wanted me to eat your leather shoes. I really no, okay, right? You know, or is it okay? <laughs> or I is it okay to crap here? Yeah, I I I thought it was. You know, it's like they they don't. They're intelligent, but like, what are they? What are they going to tell you? You know, there's a surprise in the dining room. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that or. Uh, uh, you were gone too long, so I chewed up the couch. And, right. uh, you know, they, they have the same uh, animals, as we know, have the same uh, anxieties, separation anxiety, uh, neuroses. That's just a dog. Don't you watch Caesar Milan? That's just a dog that needs more walking. If <laughs> well, they it's eat your furniture, you're not yeah. getting them outside enough. Well, there's always, there's always a cause, but it's like also they don't, uh, like I said, they need a lot of attention and care. And they, yes, don't, they, do. they don't know what's going on. And... Uh, they just react uh, in a very animalistic way, and then, and then as humans, we don't understand that. And I think, yeah, if you're talking about, I love that show, by the way, the Caesar Milan show. But what a lot of times when an animal's acting up, you see owners who just don't know what to do. Right. So yeah. it's like, well, he he's bitten all of us every day, five times a day. We don't know what to do. It's like, well, what you're doing is not right. Okay, so you need to get help. It's like. Uh, you know, as as we get here with Jeff, and it's like it, like any relationship, people are fading from favor. He's growing. Uh, How great! Okay, I'm pitching a show right now. Somebody go ahead and steal it. It's a Caesar Milan show, except it's for paranormal creatures like Jeff. Yeah, you got to call this guy yeah. in. He helps you get Jeff under control. Exactly. <laughs> he just needs more walking. It's not a paranormal investigation. It's more of a training yes. situation. Yeah. Well, that yeah. is that is like we do know some people who are spirit remediators. They. Right. Uh, you can't uh, you can't just magically wave a wand and, and zap them away, but there is uh, a way that a a piece can be attained, or uh, as we've learned in the sludge entity, it's like oh, did you zap it into a you know like in the movies, just zap it into the uh, non-existence? Like no, right. we we made it so uncomfortable they left. Right. And I, I like I love that idea. It's like yeah, we don't have the power. Look, you know we we don't. This is not you know Voldemort. We don't have the power uh, in, in gaining an army of. Um, no, nope, but uh, we can turn the AC way down. Yeah, but, but you could do. Yeah, there's things you could do. That was it. I always thought that was interesting. Uh, James Sangster is like he was saying. Uh, well, no, we just like I said, we made it. Uh, we gave it like a, a real bad sunburn, which is like you just go do your thing somewhere else. Leave these people alone, and that's the best we can do. Or you, you know, if it's something that wants, uh, like I said, the, the restless spirit. 
the the hungry ghost. They want something from you. It's like you you reach an accord where it's like, okay, we'll do this, but you got to stop just talking to us for two hours every night and, right. and banging on the headboards and doing all this other stuff because right. it's disruptive. And it's but it, but they you know again, it's also a very selfish. These things are very selfish too. Uh, they're self centered in a way. They're selfish. Uh, they don't really know, like a child or or a, a, an animal, which uh, and usually a pet is a, a lot more nice about it. <laughs> like a dog is, they just want your attention, they want your love, right. uh, you know, and uh, that's and just some food, and uh, it's they're easy to take care of. But here, it's like when you have something with more complex um, thinking and personality, then the uh, the demands get more personal, and and then the weird the weirdness, the uh, like I said, like with any friendship, it's that. That weird friend is now mad at you. Won't tell you why or or what's going on. Right. So. And 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 the thing with Jeff is like you know, if you read Jeff's story, I think in the end Jeff really just wanted a family to be around. Like that's all he really wanted. Yeah. And yeah. Like you know, like uh, like anybody who's lonely, all they want is a good friend. And you know, right. at the right. at the end of the day, I think that's what the Irvings were to him for. You know, a long period of time is like a good friend to Jeff and Jeff was good to mm -hmm. them. And like, you know, like there are definitely like toxic elements to this relationship. But like at the same time, Jeff's, uh, you know, he, he did his he did enough for this family too. like, you know, mm -hmm. if, uh, if you want to believe that he went out and killed 244 rabbits. Well, you know, like <laughs> he, he yeah. did that for the benefit of them. So like, right. you know, right. he. He helped out as as much as he you know, as much harm as he caused. He, he he did a lot of good things for the family and like, at the end of the day, um you know, like thirty years later, Vori never said, "Hey, it was a hoax." She never claimed that. Yeah. She said there was a right. strange animal that lived in our house that talked and did all yeah. this stuff. She never denied it. So like, yeah, um, why do that? Is it some weird? you know like you're maintaining this uh you know for a wrestling term you're maintaining kayfabe <laughs> for the benefit of your father you know even though he's passed on oh that's, uh, uh, that doesn't uh, right. seem likely you know but um at the at the same time like this is clearly something that affected this family this is something that happened to this family yeah. whatever whatever that something is like we're never gonna know what that something is but like at the end of the day something happened to these people and like everybody pretty much can came away convinced that this is legitimate, whatever it is. Like, you know, yeah. we can't really put a label on it as to exactly what is causing this, but something's causing this and something is happening to these people in this house. And like, you know, I've, I've talked to so many people and they all claim that, Hey, this happened. Like this happened to yeah. me. This, I saw this weird thing. I heard this weird voice. So like, Jeff's real. It's just nobody knows what Jeff is at the end of the day. Like, and, and, and I think that's like the ultimate endearing mystery of Jeff is that he's mysterious enough that he did not know. He didn't want people to know what he was. And like, you know, he, he you know, pretty much throw him a curveball a bunch of different times claiming, you know, I'm a ghost in the form of a weasel. I'm an extra clever mongoose. I'm the eighth wonder of the world. So like, <laughs> You know, he was real. It's just eh, nobody knows what Jeff was. It's it's just, you know, he's 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 a mysterious thing. He's the Dolby spook. You know, nobody 
he is he is as ambiguous as you want to make him. I, yeah. We don't interrupt perfect ending lines. No, I know. We try not to. That was, <laughs> that was, that, no, that was great. You've got to go to your. I, I think you should splice my laugh back in there and then call it a night. You yeah, know, right. <laughs> just fading off like with some reverb. You know, right. like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then a huge uh, fart and a barf noise. We did this episode. We got we we did it, guys. Guys, we, we did it. We, we did, did it. Jeff yep. the talking mongoose. Um, yeah, yes, we did. Finally, if I could take it off of our, it was in our hopper too. I'm just going to strike it off. There now. you go. You got you got I'm it good. done. So you know, you guys, uh, so like you guys have this podcast or something. It's called like Astonishing Legends, right? You know, like um, yeah, it's just for the moment, kind of, yeah, uh, long term experiment. So yeah. like, We're what do you what do you guys do over there, and where can people find it? Uh, Astonishing Legends, you can hear my dog barking. I'm going to bark right when you're wrapping up. Uh, Astonishing Legends can be found, um, as they say, anywhere you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, and we have a Squarespace website. Oh, yeah, we have a Squarespace website. And when you're ready you know, to launch, use uh, offer yeah. code Legend. Yeah. And now we're doing that for ads for everything. There's, there's pictures there. Yeah. Um, there's, um, there's, uh, yeah, so we're in all those places. We've been yeah. around eight years, 250 plus episodes. Uh, so, you know, check us yeah. out if you haven't. It yeah. is one place, uh, like I said, we do, uh, because uh, people say like, uh, well, you read an article for that. It sounds like it. <laughs> what is it? Well, no, we are, we read a bunch of stuff, right. and it's all listed. Everything that we touch for that particular episode or mm. topic will be on the web page. So that's one good thing about it is that it's a little repository. And then when people email us, it's like, oh, you forgot about this, or you want to talk about this? I'll try and go back and add that to the page. So there's a ton of links, uh, photos. They're hard to to come by. Like I said, a lot of them are, are copyrighted, so we're, we're trying to be very careful not to uh, use ones that uh, we don't have permission for uh but all the other stuff is there you can you know uh you can see the books that were related a lot of people ask that so every book uh that usually that uh, we come across or talk about in the episode will be listed there so um it's up to you folks go out there and do your own reading and research so uh yeah folks. all right thanks for having yeah. us yeah, yeah. thanks so much no problem. Uh, I appreciate you coming on for this one because is, this is definitely uh, an episode you want the 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 gentleman from Astonishing Legends on for. Uh, ah. You know, it's just it it just only made sense. Um, and you know, for us, you can find us on most podcasting apps too. If you if yeah. you so well decide that you want to check us out on a different podcasting app maybe than you're listening to you could try us out on other ones it's you know it's a free there's world. a there's a yeah there's a ton out there there's yeah. also uh, it's hard to keep up with all the projects you're doing rob yeah, uh, like there's uh, you're doing a lot of guests a lot of guests uh showing up on guest spots uh whatever but what do you, you know so to tell your audience what are you doing lately where else what other shows can people find you on Oh man, uh, rolling through the realms. I know that that's coming back again. Yeah, we uh, rolling through the realms is going to go through a, a, a transition. It's uh, a it's going to be turning into an alien themed uh, like TTRPG okay. called Welcome to Sunderland. Oh. You're gonna you'll, you'll hear a little bit more about that in the next coming months. We'll mm-hmm. start be 
we'll be putting out episodes by the summer. Uh, we've got, you know, welcome UFO people again. If you want to get your hands on those prints, create magic studios.com slash welcome dash UFO dash people. Um, Todd's really good about shipping them out. So, um, you can get your hands on them. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got a bunch of other stuff that I got going on, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's never <laughs> just one thing, but, uh, yeah, like we uh, love that you're keeping busy though. No, you're stomping on the terror, my friend, and and uh, and really uh, an important voice in this space. I think I appreciate space. that. I, I Outer space agree. and inner space. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's that. just uh, yeah. It's you're a font of knowledge and uh, and friendship and all that. It's like and uh, we have uh, just maybe this is a little teaser. Scott and I are thinking of a. Oh, we already told Rob about it, but don't not to spoil it. But we're thinking of a of a roundtable of a fun classic story that uh, that Rob knows about. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll take a look at the uh, the material, and it's a good, uh, I think a um, a good nod to nostalgia, which we haven't done in a while. So right. we're all looking forward to that. Okay. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Rob. Yeah. Anyway, uh, again, thanks so much for the invite. We always appreciate it. And uh, we can't wait to have you on our show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm always happy to do a guest spot on Astonishing Legends. Uh, and, you know, folks, uh, finally, don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies or talking to you through the wainscoting of your home <laughs> on the Isle of Man. In gray, we trust. Yeah.